Hey there. Uh, this show is only possible because so many generous people have gone to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv and given us some money. Uh, makes a big difference for us. So thank you if you have done that. Uh, and if you haven't done that, uh, consider doing that. Patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs Dispatch, our monthly Q&A topics, listener response extravaganza. Yes, indeed. I need to match that energy now and escalate. No, it is extravaganza. Carnival. You wrote us letters. Now that's that's like a that's like a flop house thing. No, uh it's July twenty twenty. We are mm-hmm. reading your uh questions, answering your questions. Uh we got a topic for you, and then we're going to uh talk about uh, we're gonna read your responses to uh July's games. Uh we got a lot of yeah. them about Hitman Two and Tactics Ogre, and we even got one for Mario Golf. So oh. Oh, good, 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 good on you, Mario Golf, <laughs> little guy. Yeah, and then at the end, we're going to reveal the games we are covering in September. Yeah, we'll tell you when September begins. Yeah, uh, why don't we get started here with uh, with Cinder Elf, who says, "I played the first Dishonored for the first time this month, and then listened to your episode about it. But I could not help wondering what a post COVID nineteen Dishonored WAP episode would be like." So do you have any thoughts on the game now vis-a-vis governmental response to the plague? Uh, uh, everybody buckle up. There are a lot of political questions uh, this month. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the world. It's the water. Yeah. Um, no, for me, no. Like the Dishonored Plague does not feel very much like our plague. And also like the government did stuff. <laughs> yeah. In Dunwall. You know, say what you yeah. will about Dunwall. But like they did stuff about it. Yeah, they, 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 they sent out troops to you know (sighs) there's uh there's quarantine in place yeah yeah there's things that they recognize that anything uh should should Mm -hmm. be done you know yeah so this is dishonors is a a fantastic fantasy world in which the government (laughs) takes some kind of responsibility for the health care of its citizens and uh in you know in that respect yeah I don't really draw the connection too much. It's also Dishonored for me is about like world building more than like consequence. Like mm-hmm. it's not like it's hard for you know Dishonored doesn't touch my heart. You know, like I, I love those games very yeah. much, but they, they melt away to wireframe and kind of coolness mm-hmm. really easily. So I think for me to get plague feels, it would have to be, uh, I'd have to care more about the people in it. Yes. Yeah. Um, I always saw the things that were happening with the plague um as kind of more of an externalization of what's going on inside corvo um you know it just kind of like uh, specifically because it reflects uh how violent he is you know um it always feels like it is an output as opposed to like of you know just just a state of the world that you know informs too many of the events you know 
So yeah, the, the, the chaos system kind of ties everything together. Yeah. And and makes yeah. it smaller as opposed to, you know, this kind of monolithic outside mm-hmm. set piece kind of thing. Yeah. Although when I saw all those stories about how rats were turning cannibal um, and yeah. getting really bold and stuff because specifically in cities, since fewer people are out and moving and dining out, there is less food waste for rats to get at. Uh, and so, like, it causes swarms and stuff like that. I did get dishonored feels off of that. Yeah. Yeah. Go rats. Go rats. In, uh, in, in Dishonored <laughs> and in New York. <laughs> Go rats. Oh. Um, yeah. Uh, Harris asks, uh, I've been playing two very politically charged and wildly different games lately. Disco Elysium, to go along with the show, and Far Cry 5. And they make uh, really interesting companions to one another because they're both games that explicitly tread in some hot-button contemporary issues. Far Cry 5 is, in many ways, a, a total failure to do anything with a deeply fertile subject matter. And Disco is a pretty resounding success. Can you think of some other examples of games that handle explicitly political subject matter notably well or poorly, and what is the difference? maker there uh bioshock infinite is very bad at politics yeah that's, that's the standard that's example. the easy go-to but one yes that's easy but it's true mm-hmm. you know that game does a bad job with politics yeah um it's probably worth like stripping away games that are specifically about politics so like i could say democracy 3 which is a really good um uh you know government simulator mm-hmm. uh you know or any kind of like large strategy game that are you know grand strategy game that uh uh deals with uh you know diplomacy and stuff like that or policy uh no those those probably don't count um there's another question later about uh i mean it's actually the next one here <laughs> the, the, the rob s which you could probably fold into this about like revolutions and games um mm-hmm. that uh that, that probably goes in so do you want me to just like add that onto the pile and we can talk about yeah. both, both at the same time we'll do, we'll do a mini subject yeah in the, uh, the the miniature climax after the credits, <laughs> the cold open of the episode. Yeah. So Rob writes, hey, folks, new subscriber. And I already love the show, especially when I'm listening while on the clock at work. Um, <laughs> very good. We encourage time theft. Yeah. Uh, Thank you, Rob. Science fiction and fantasy properties love rebellion and revolution stories. However, I find that for the most part, a lot of these narratives merely appropriate the language and symbolism from real world revolutions without accounting for material conditions that lead to them or making a realistic resolution. Detroit to become human was one of the most egregious examples I can think of because of how clumsily it borrows U.S. civil rights and Holocaust iconography while making a really contrived resolution for the quote good ending what in your opinion are good examples of revolution stories in sci-fi or fantasy the bajorans from deep space nine and the narn from babylon five are two of my favorites yeah uh th- those sound like in in shows like good political things i haven't gotten i didn't get far enough in deep space nine mm-hmm. i watched it when i was a teen i haven't done a rewatch yeah and then i yeah. never watched babylon five so this is a hard question for me to, to answer uh because i don't it's hard for me to think of examples yeah, no. of, of ones that did it, did it well. I, I wanted to know? throw, uh, to, to throw an example on like appropriation of revolutionary or political, uh, kind of stuff. I've not played this game, but is there anybody who thinks that mankind divided's Og lives matter campaign was a good idea? I mean, the marketing people who, who did it, <laughs> who did it, you know, like it's, uh, it's not very much a part of the game. Right, right. It's more something that was like part of a, a commercial campaign. Like there's a little bit of that in game, mm-hmm. 
but that that's more that uh, marketers are evil. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and, and tone deaf. Like, mm-hmm. but that was, you know, a bad, bad thing. And doing like, you know, I think that one thing that we might see uh, now in games is people being a lot more careful about that shit. Uh, possibly at least now I, you know, it's, it's, it's hard for me not to believe that things will just like return to normal, but what if they don't? Mm-hmm. And it it will be increasingly bad taste to do your, you know, uh, this is just like, like I'm the Rosa Parks of elves kind of horseshit. <laughs> Jesus. You know? so, some of that elf stuff in uh dragon age, uh, origin specifically is yeah. real rough. Yeah, it just feels like it's a good idea to stay away from it unless you're taking like making it a making a piece of art actually about it. Yeah. You know, don't you don't you don't borrow real world gravitas Mm -hmm. about things like that. Uh, It's embarrassing at best Mm -hmm. uh, to do so. Um, So like as far as like uh, a good story of kind of both like a not bad revolution and tying into Harris's question, I would say is Papers, Please, Mm -hmm. which does political stuff really well. Yeah, uh, yeah, and is an interesting, uh, you know, if you take the kind of rebellion path in that, that is, you know, you're only seeing a tiny sliver, you know, based on the premise of the game, but you do get uh, kind of both sides. Like you see the cost of it, yeah. you know, like people come in, it, it is a morally gray kind of thing, uh, but it's, it's not, uh, you know, it doesn't feel frivolous mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. Um, one that I think, uh, that I remember being pretty good, but I played it kind of before I was more politically aware, uh, fable two specifically, like the first half of the game has you leading a revolution against, uh, against the corrupt kingdom. And then the second half is you ruling. And it's specifically Mm -hmm. like one of the themes is, you know, can a revolutionary make a good ruler and you end up, um, in the back half needing to make like very tough choices based on what you promised as a revolutionary versus what is realistic. And it demonstrates the cost of that there. I am sure it is more ham handed than I am remembering, but it was, it was a cool concept at the time, especially when the original fable didn't really dabble in anything more in anything more profound than do evil grow horns, you know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I haven't played any of the fable games mm-hmm. but i came over i went over to my friend's house once when he was playing fable 2 and every single time i or my friend's roommate rather mm-hmm. uh every time i came over he was just hammering on, a, on an anvil <laughs> like every, and like multiple through multiple visits yeah <laughs> and i was just like oh man this this looks bad uh, that, that like was... i would be willing to try one of those games but that, that yeah. it made it look bad i don't remember i don't remember that as a thing that you had to do for very long but it is something that you can do for money in the game is take up blacksmithing yeah. work um yeah it, in terms of you know and in terms of like bad revolutions or just kind of bad political uh things like so here's mess, uh, mentioned disco elysium which makes this difficult because I, I just played played that so it's difficult to think of anything because mm-hmm. that's taking up all my brain space and also <laughs> does a really good job of both these things, mm-hmm. I think. Um, but an example I think of uh, that ties into revolution and politi- politics done well and, or poorly and then kind of well, I guess, is in retrospect, a lot of the rebellion resistance stuff in, say, like Final Fantasy VI oh, is yeah. pretty juvenile and dumb. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't borrow anything from the real world, but it's pretty hard to take that seriously by virtue of it being super nintendo and then i think final fantasy 7 does it better yeah. i don't think it's great at it but i mm-hmm. think it does it a little bit better because it actually shows poverty yeah 
you know, it, it, it shows the, the effects of, of what it's trying to do and kind of gives you reason for the revolution before fucking off and just having you walk <laughs> around the world and snowboard and talk right. about Mako and Sephiroth and shit. But mm-hmm. early on, it does, it is about, you know, a thing and it takes it seriously and with like appropriate gravitas, I think. Mm-hmm. Gives yeah. reason for revolution. Yes. That is a good, that is a good example that I uh, kind of forgot about actually. Um, another oh. one, I mean, it, we would be remiss since this is the month where we, where we talked about, um, uh, Tactics Ogre, um, you know, yeah. Monsanto games, both Tactics Ogre and Final Fantasy Tactics specifically, um, even though they are not about, uh, or they're not inspired by current events, uh, they are so well observed about the kind of the relationship between people and power, um, and corruption and things like that, that they do feel, um, like they are kind of good depictions, if not melodramatic, yeah. Yeah. you know? Yeah. I, I think that tactics Order does a really good job yeah. with the revolution, you know, like have, you know, coming into to power and that, and having the, the guy who does it be absolutely garbage, at it, <laughs> you know, and, and just, uh, and that being, uh, and having to break a lot of eggs yeah. to do it, you know, that's, that's a really good example. Fucking Duke Romway, man. <laughs> yeah. Wrong, Duke wrong way. More like. Yeah. <laughs> Like, uh, like the, the, uh, God, what's the fuck? Ruby Soho what's that fucking band. <laughs> I don't know. Scott which. Punk band. Rancid. Oh, like that. Is it, no, that was sublime. That did the wrong way. Oh, not rancid. Fuck. It's even worse. It just keeps getting worse. <laughs> no, it was three eleven. No, ah! no, it just. <laughs> it was a crossover between three eleven. It was it was three eleven and Brian sets of orchestra. No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> I've fallen into a ska hole. Help! Hit ejection! Hit ejection! Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> gotta get out of the ska. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't have deep answers for the, either of those questions. But those are stuff. That's stuff that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, for it. <clears throat> and also, like, man, uh, Harris brought up like Far Cry Five. Everything about Far Cry Five's like lead up mm-hmm. and marketing and stuff made me feel. I've never felt stronger. Like, oh, they're going to fuck it up. Oh, yeah. Like, it was like watching America's Funniest Home Videos. I, I, like, like, they show a video and a guy gets on a riding lawnmower and you're like, this is, he's not going to mow his lawn. That's how I felt about, <laughs> about the Far Cry people. Like, like, oh, it's about a cult in America. They're not going to mow their lawn. Like, this guy's going to end up under that lawnmower 100%. Yep. So, I just, for, for, for me, the fascination was like, exactly how are they going to fuck it up? Um, I didn't expect yeah. them to fuck it up the way that they did. But yeah. <laughs> Amazing how quickly that game went away. Uh-huh. Like like modern AAA games are so fucking uh ephemeral. Yeah. As yeah. a thing. Like that was a huge thing for like, you know, the marketing and everything. there's all this flex for it. It came out and everyone was like, it's a Far Cry game. It does the politics bad, but it's just a Far Cry game. Yeah, yeah. And then immediately people stopped talking about it. And then I remember it being like on really deep discount. Like oh god, kind of immediately. Quick. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's no there's no legs to any of those like big Ubisoft sandbox nightmares. Yeah. Oh, uh, kind of related to these, uh, but uh, Assassin's Creed tends to do this pretty well, actually. Hmm. Insofar as it's it is um, very well researched in terms of like historical fiction kind of stuff. Like, yeah, you end up with goofy things like you know piloting around some of Leonardo da Vinci's war machines or whatever. Um, <laughs> kind of, like, Pardon. Really? It just, it just like they, they're just like, oh, Leonardo da Vinci. He's he's like a person you can meet, you know. Like he like he's he's a fairly major character in at least Brotherhood. And what the game developers did was they looked at some of his uh, some of his like sketchbooks and thought, oh, we could probably like make that in the game and have it work. 
and then you have like a a goofy side mission where you do that that stuff aside the, the stuff where you're actually like interacting with revolutionaries and working against the entrenched power uh you know in the different games end up being pretty good huh yeah that sounds dumb to me but i i will trust you i haven't i haven't played it but right. driving around one of those like silly war machine things sounds really dumb yeah <laughs> like, I, I, sh- I, pr- I probably dumb. shouldn't have led with that as the example of a way that it fails at that <laughs> that is cool <laughs> like it does a really good job with history by letting you fly around da vinci's badass no. theoretical war machine no it is that, that part is not cool that part is extremely dorky although those missions do end up being pretty fun you know yeah no, no, I, I can, I can imagine yeah. it being, being yeah. good. It's just very funny as far as like history comes alive. <laughs> yeah, but like you know, you, you you spend a lot of like Assassin's Creed too, like navigating, um, you know, city state politics and kind of like going up through like banker families, like the Medici's and the Borgias and stuff mm. like that, going yeah. going along and interacting with those and kind of you know, I don't know, I, I learned more about Italy <laughs> there than I did in my history classes, even though I never took like a yeah. specific you know an Italy specific Italian uh, history course. Yeah. There's, there's something to be said about like politics as backdrop versus politics as subject matter. Yes. In this. And I just, I feel like smarter people than us have already like mm-hmm. written those essays. People who know more history than we do. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's not, it's not a strength of mine at all. Right. Um, Greg says, uh, recently I was having a conversation with a friend about video game music over the years. I've always loved video game music and have been enjoying it since. Well, to be honest, even, uh, before you two were born, smiley face. Uh, anyway, we were discussing favorite game tracks when I realized that about, for me, about 90% of them are from the 32-bit era and earlier, and that got me wondering why. For whatever reason, I just don't enjoy modern music, uh, modern video game music with a few exceptions, such as the Elder Scrolls soundtracks. I can think of a few reasons why that might be. In the old days, due to limited technology, uh, composers had less to work with and had to try harder to make their stuff sound good. We don't pay as much attention to the music because uh, games are bigger and more intense. All the modern game music is orchestral CD-based, and doesn't have that unique factor that old games have do you think there's any truth to that statement uh, that most modern video game music sucks or am i looking at this through rose tinted glasses sucks is probably a strong word but i think that you know you hit on something that we often talk about in the um dark souls musical identity series that we've been doing recently which is Mm -hmm. eventually you when everything is orchestrated um, you end up kind of getting more walls than um, kind of <laughs> just solid walls instead of handholds and footholds, right? Um, yeah. You know, with <laughs> if you have the ability just to just bring in orchestral music, you're not going to have the limitations where you need to work with fewer parts and have distinct melodies and such. Yeah, yeah. there's de- there's definitely there's that, and then also just like the uh, kind of artificiality. You know, that yeah. comes with technology, you know, mm-hmm. that makes video game music sound like video game music. Yeah. You know, if, if you ask somebody for like a, a somebody's doing like a CSI show and you're like, hey, put in some video game music to show people are playing a video game. Yeah. They're not going to have like Hans Zimmer swells, even though that's what 90% of video game music actually is now. Yeah. They're going to have bleeps and bloops, mm-hmm. you know, because that's it's video gamey. It's not uh, it, this. It's kind of like there's a line, like a parallel with the. Uh, production values of other art forms like movies and such mm-hmm. and video games becoming blurred with that also being part of the soundtrack yeah you know you know it's difficult because like if you ask somebody who watches movies like what you know what film has your favorite score you know mm-hmm. if they if, if if they know something they could say like oh yeah i love the sound design and there will be blood or something like that 
the what they might fire back with is oh i love the soundtrack in xyz coen brothers movie or something like that no no not licensed soundtrack like the actual score the music that was composed for it i think that's what you're like running into yeah yeah well and also it's interesting how that comes up with uh video games Mm -hmm. as well you know where like in 2014 hotline miami 100 percent had the best soundtrack that came out that year Mm -hmm. but it was just a bunch of synthwave bands yeah you know, or again, like, you know, Disco Elysium has a great soundtrack, but that's mm-hmm. just the band British Sea Power. Yeah. Like, that's not a score, really. That's yeah. instrumentals from a band. God, so, I've, I've just, I have, I've had the, the, the music from Whirling and Rags stuck in my head that for is fucking so two weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, 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 the hostile music's incredible. <laughs> um, the, uh, but yeah, so it, I don't know. Like, I think that you're right, Greg, that it, mm-hmm. it uh, but the, the way to get, a, the place to get away from that, it tends to be indie stuff. Which will have more, uh, less cinematic and more identif- identity-rich soundtracks. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, uh, also, so, like, in, indie tracks are generally gonna, going to be developed by, or, you know, composed and performed by, like, one person or a few people. So you can follow people around, like, you know, Ryan Ike or Disaster Piece, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Jake Kaufman. Yeah. You know, like I, I will always, I know Jay Kaufman, every soundtrack Jay Kaufman does is, is worth listening to, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and those don't sound to me like indistinguishable from right. big bland Call of Duty soundtrack stuff. <laughs> big bland. So, yeah, it, big bland, <laughs> big bland theory. The, uh, yeah, big bland revival. <laughs> um, yeah. But I think you're not wrong, Greg. Yeah. Um, Colin writes. Uh, this may certainly be one to avoid, but I would love to hear your thoughts on the recent Chris Avalon news. I know both of you love the games that he has worked on, many of which have been covered on the show. He was even interviewed for an old WAF episode. Personally, the news wrecked me. In the past two, three, two to three years, I've fallen in love with almost everything that he's done. Playing Alpha Protocol, Planescape Torment, Fallout 1 and 2, New Vegas, even though I'm fuzzy on his involvement there, and all of the new Obsidian games like Pillars of Eternity, etc. for the first time. I had even written a specific list of all the games he was credited on and planned to go through them. I was shocked, then upset and angry, but quickly realized it was for selfish reasons. I wanted this creator I loved to be an upstanding person, and he has always seemed this way from public appearance. But it turns out, uh, like a large portion of the game's industry, he used his power or clout to take advantage of several women. I guess this is, again, about separating the art from the artist. Will both of you continue to play games he has worked on? I'm sure in time I will, but I will always feel at least somewhat hesitant about doing so, and certainly this puts a dark cloud over some of my time, some of my all-time favorite games. Um, there's a good—I uh, mentioned this on uh, Patreon when mm-hmm. Colin asked this, but like we'll, we'll talk about this, but we did an, a, dis- a topic about this generally. Yeah. Um, in 2019. So if you want to hear longer thoughts about it, mm-hmm. there's another dispatch where we talk about this. Uh, and it was, you know, more than a year ago. So it's not, it doesn't have modern news as part of it. Yeah. Especially you know, it with, the, it with like the recent, you know, kind of spate wave. of things that, that uh, of, of things that have come to light. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. it is, it is something we've talked about a lot. And this, the spate for me has not changed my posture very much on it. Mm-hmm. Um, which is that like this fucking sucks. It's no. super disappointing. Um, you know, I hate it. Like I, I you know, this is somebody who uh 
who I liked a lot and who we've talked to and who's really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he wrote the the foreword for Atomic. Yeah. Like I, you know, I, I, I like this dude, mm-hmm. uh, but this shit sucks. And now I'm like, no, this is, this is a bad guy who has tons of work to do if he's ever going to join Gen Pop again. Yeah. Uh, and for me, like I was talking about it in the Slack and like, I was like, what is like the Cosby scale? You know, or what is the the scale of which like something is because we ne- we never want to say that there is a difference between shitty things that people do, mm-hmm. but I think that there is. Like, there's a difference between like what Chris did, which is horrible, fucking mm-hmm. absolutely horrible, and then like Weinstein or Cosby, yeah, you know, yeah. or Weinstein or Cosby or something. And for me, it's like if a new game comes out and it's like written by chris avalone like Mm -hmm. i'm not going to be super excited about that no but i think that it does a disservice when we take news like this and we're like yeah fallout 2 sucks like it was never good like (laughs) torment is bad like that's not the answer and it doesn't like it doesn't we have to let our monsters be complex Mm -hmm. you know like you can you can be a shitty person and then also be incredibly talented Mm -hmm. and when we start divorcing those concepts we're going to get we're, we're losing the point. Like we're losing the path. Yeah. Like, you know, people are monsters are people who have done shitty things are complicated. They have facets too. Yeah. And just sorting somebody and like every, this thing is bad. This person's bad. Everything they've done is bad. They, you know, they have no value is shitty. Mm-hmm. That's not me saying like, Oh, let's use him for his writing. Cause that's still good. I'm saying we don't have to pretend that history is different than it, than it was yeah. because of this. Like to me, these kind of things draw a line and then I move forward. So like, yeah. The brand new game from Chris Avalone is not going to be like really exciting to me right now because I get a queasy pit, you know, feeling in my stomach. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to say like, oh yeah, like, you know, Veronica's NPC design in, in New Vegas was absolute horseshit, and I hate that game now. Mm-hmm. Like to me, that's that's dumb. It discounts like how many people it takes to make a video game. Yeah, you know, it uh, it it's also disingenuous. It feels like. And I'm not saying Colin is doing this, mm-hmm. but in, in terms of like attacked for when somebody gets outed, like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, this was never doesn't change good. the past. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, you know, it's okay for somebody to be really talented, but also mm-hmm. a bad human being. Yeah. Two, two, two things would be equally disingenuous. It would be disingenuous of me to say that I'm not profoundly disappointed with this going in the future. Right. You know, yeah. and whenever Chris Avalon's games come up in the future, you know, there's, there's, I'm probably going to feel the need to say, like, yeah, knowing everything that he has done, like that is that is complicating my appreciation for this right now or my ability to praise it, you know, in a way that I did in the past. So it be it would be disingenuous of me to, you know, not acknowledge that this is disappointing. It would also be disingenuous of me to, like, go back to the episodes where we praised his games or even to go back and take down the interview that we did, you know, like, yeah. no, like, I, I, I can't say that I don't like Alpha Protocol. Alpha Protocol is an amazing video game, um, yeah. you know, like if somebody told me personally like yeah i really don't want you to talk about alpha protocol in front of me because it just it, it just it's you know it hits at some wounds because i read these stories etc cetera, etc cetera. i wouldn't talk about that game in front of that person like you know my my affection for these products does not outweigh any any particular person's feelings as regards to this kind of stuff you know take my toys away you know, because this because this is complicated. There are plenty of other games. 
Um, but yeah. yeah, like I can't, I, you know, it, it, I, I'm not able to lie about the way that I feel about a game. I can't say I dislike it now because of, because of new information, you know, that has come forward. Yeah. I think it's important what it, you said, like Chris Avalon for, you know, even though he is, you know, responsible for a lot of these things that we love, there are also other writers, other scenario developers, you know, the things that I like particular quest lines in one particular area or a particular, you know, NPC might've been written by somebody else, you know? Yeah. And, and, and largely, you know, like I, I, uh, you was a fan of that guy to the degree that I had like the, the follow Bible thing that he made. And I have like a Kinko's printed up. Mm -hmm. So I have like a book version of it to flip through. And in that he answers questions about, uh, fallout Two, And a lot of the times he doesn't know. So he just pass off to other people and it's surprising. Like, he'll mm -hmm. just be like, I didn't do anything on that area. Right. You know, I didn't do anything on that area. Like, the, these works are not just one person's thing. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that you should ignore the fact that like a monster worked on them or that right. a monster has his name on the, the marquee. It's more information, but it's more information. It's complicated. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, the, you got to give games and art and being a person, like a lot of uh, leeway for being a complicated machine a little mm -hmm. bit and accidents happen and you can take into account a lot of different stuff. So this doesn't mean, you know, for me, like, that, that is one of the lines I tend to draw is, yeah. like, you know, how bad is it, right? Like, if if I found out that, uh, you know, he was, it, it had been, like, Weinstein, like, 30 mm -hmm. years of gatekeeping exclusive you know, in the biggest thing in the world and was doing casting couch shit yeah. and stuff like that, that would maybe make me feel a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. um, giving the person supporting them now like let's say he had a patreon yeah. and i was a patron like no, i that would, no, i would be like no 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 like i gotta stop doing that yeah. but i i draw the line at being like yeah torment's not one of my favorite games because it still very much is yeah. and he's not responsible for all of it he's responsible for a great deal of it and mm -hmm. i can't argue with that being like a thing that is very important to me and that i really love yeah um you know so that that is my honest reaction when this kind of shit happens mm -hmm. There, there was something you said. I just want to make sure that we clarify it. When you say, you know, this is this, this is complicated. Accidents happen. Can you clarify what accident accidents happen means? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I one hundred percent didn't mean accidents that uh, Chris made. Right. Those aren't accidents. I meant accident. I what I meant was your relationship to like something I was thinking about, and this is Disco Elysium brain. So mm -hmm. forgive me because I keep bringing that up, but it's yeah. just like fresh in my head. Mm -hmm. But like one of the themes of that game is everything is so fucking complicated. And yeah. we are like very complicated people who take into account a lot of things mm -hmm. and have a lot of uh, kind of stimulus and such like that. So my relationship to art, you know, uh, this thing, this revelation about one of the creators of this piece of art that I have is one of many data points. Mm -hmm. Like it is, it is a, uh, a very complicated relationship that I have. Mm -hmm. So it's not so much like accidents happen as the, uh, you know, it is impossible to be perfect. Like only accidents happen. Right. Like there isn't a there isn't a one hundred percent clean way to engage yeah, with any yeah. of this stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, no no ethical consumption. Yeah. Uh, et cetera. Et cetera. Yeah. No, I just yeah. I, I I figure that's what you meant, but I didn't want that to yeah, be taken out yeah. of context if somebody heard it. Yeah. You know, I think that just uh, you know to, to to kind of put a put a finer point on that, like the creator and the work are neither as loosely connected as one would hope to think nor as tightly connected as what one might dread to think yes yeah yeah a really good uh example and kind of uh you know side 
uh, version of this or another thing that happening that's happening is with like J.K. Rowling yeah. now, you know, who is coming out full monster turf. Right. You know, with this stuff. And it's been really interesting to watch, interesting and sad to watch people struggle with that because there were people, you know, like we both like talked about those those books and movies and said that we liked them, mm-hmm. like in an abject suffering about it. But there were people who like it was very meaningful to them, yeah. almost spiritually. Mm-hmm. They grew up with and those books. Yeah. They grew up with them, you know, and they got lessons from them that they thought were important mm-hmm. and stuff. And I don't I don't think that has to be thrown away. Like I think it's okay to be like, you know, the past is is quarantined to what it is. I don't want to support this person. I don't want to give them money. But like those things that you consider really valuable that are part mm-hmm. of your life now, you don't have to throw that out. Yeah. You know, just because because of this kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. you don't I don't I don't think that JK Rowling has the ownership over this to that degree right right um this isn't to say that with this new information a closer critical read about decisions that were made um that those are not valuable Oh, sure yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um which is something that i have seen happening uh with her but you know like again you cannot i know i cannot throw away um the 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 car trip where i read the entirety of the first book like riding back from myrtle beach and stuff like that you know not every piece of fruit that falls from a poison tree is poison you know yeah. and that like that is not a blanket statement to say that like no it's all good you you are absolved you do not have to feel guilty <laughs> about about you know how these how the creation might be tied up with a very problematic creator but you know it's just uh like there, there there's doubt there's doubt involved yeah you just be aware yeah you know i i, I do think in a way like you you can let yourself off the hook for some of this stuff as long as you're doing the diligence of thinking about it. Yeah. You know, think about it, like be very mindful Mm -hmm. about it, but it's okay to draw a line. Like it's okay to be like, yeah, this is, you know, because again, there's nothing's clean, you know, and it it, almost nothing is clean and it sucks. uh, But this is how it's going to be. Like, I I don't think this is going to go away. (laughs) No. I think that we're going to, you know, this this feels like we're, um, like, in Frostpunk when you, like, go into the, you're mining trees from the frozen forest. Uh Uh-huh. Like, these these are forests. These are mistakes a lot of the time from years ago. Right. And that doesn't minimize them either. What I'm saying that is more terrifying is that there's an unlimited supply. Yeah. There is so much past, you guys. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's just going to keep happening. Like yeah. this is uh, the Avalon thing, like really fucking sucked, and it happened at the same time uh, the Warren Ellis thing happened. Mm-hmm. Who was one of my favorite comics writers, yeah. and that was also real hard with right. that. And it's it's like, boy, you know, it, this is just I just feel like this is the water now. Yeah. Like people are going to have to start making those uh, those kind of ethical decisions for themselves. And I don't blame anybody whose ethical decision is the second something comes out, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Like, all those books go in the trash. Like, yeah. if that's the decision you make, that's okay. But if you're agonizing over that and you don't want to do that, I think it's okay to recognize, like, you know, give yourself some grace for being ignorant of something you couldn't have known, yeah. you know, in, in the past. And just throw that giant asterisk on a thing. Yeah. You know, like, when I play Alpha Protocol again, which I 100% will, I'm going to be like, hey, I know this about the creator is this coming through? Do I see it differently? And if I don't, I'm going to recognize like, actually that creator is very complicated. Mm -hmm. He was very talented at writing and really good at the story craft. He was also, and Mm -hmm. you know, uh, this person who was like grooming, you know, taking advantage of his position. Yeah. 
Well, so. One thing that I kind of don't want to see happen is anytime one of these works is brought up for roving roving people to come in and remind the person, oh, yeah, why are you talking about that thing? <laughs> because this yeah, person yeah. is shitty. Like, I don't, I don't that, that that annoys me. And maybe that's not the best. That's not the best instinct. But like, I don't know if somebody's talking about this, they probably know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. There's that, that onion, like the the man gets special little thrill out of telling people that John Lennon beat his wife. Yeah, you yeah. know, like I think about that a lot. Is like you don't want to mm-hmm. be that guy. And right. it, there's there's a there's an element of like genuinely informing people. Yeah, like hey, you might you, know, you, you might want to be aware that like you don't want to. You, I don't think you're doing this, but somebody could look at this and say that you're endorsing their behavior by saying you love Planescape Torment. Totally, you know. Yeah. Uh, but it also is a thing where if. You know, it's just like no discussion of this thing can happen. It's mm-hmm. just real weird and memory holy. And I don't think it it does well for the medium or, or anything like that. Yeah. So um, is this me or you? Uh, this, this is, is you. Yeah. Uh, Mark asks, uh, do you have thoughts on Code Vein? I haven't tried it, but knowing your love of From Games and your feelings towards anime, it always seemed like it would be equal parts effective and repellent for both of you and may, might make for a fun bonfire episode. Also, I'm struggling for a good equal parts attractive and repellent metaphor uh, to end this comment on, so help me out, fellas. A juicy burger filled with maggots, a beautiful beach vacation where all you can do is file your taxes all day long, etc. <laughs> um, I don't know. A uh- a burger cannot, or, so I guess a burger. That's that's weird. That that that's tough. I think like uh, like a no wonderful, amount of juice. Yeah, no amount no of juice amount of is gonna is gonna make up for and the I maggots. Like yeah, I like it. Yeah. Ju- yeah, <laughs> I mean, but I still I, I don't like it to maggot. No, no. Um, yeah, so I can't help you with that. It would be more like a burger, but in between bites, somebody's punching you. Like sure. Yeah, I yeah. don't know. Uh, I mean, do you want me to answer for the code vein thing? <laughs> Sure. Yeah. We're, <laughs> sure. Pr- we're probably not going to cover it. Um, uh, you know, on one hand, it's nice to wait a little bit to see how much of the enthusiasm for a game uh, is just kind of like because it's new. Like, okay, how long is this? How lasting is this as part of the like Dark Souls like Pantheon kind of thing? Um, mm-hmm. Code Vein really slipped out of the discussion. Um, and most of the things that I saw at the time, and additionally, most of the things that I hear now is praise for the character creator, which like, I, cool. I don't know. I've spent a lot of time in the city of heroes character creator. Like I understand the, the, the appeal of that. Like that's fun. Go with God, <laughs> you know, peace yeah, and yeah. love and all of that. Um, but the bigger thing is really the aesthetic, um, that is very repellent. And I think that we would not be serving anybody very well if we went in and played that a game that you know by all by by all rights you know does some mediocre things but constantly hits you over the back of the head with this very very um strongly stated aesthetic that we are going well, to be compelled story. to come yeah and story that we are going to be compelled to comment on and people who like anime um will uh you know be annoyed that we are associating yeah. the thing that they like with this you know one expression of it um, and people who don't like anime probably wouldn't be playing Code Vein, so they wouldn't be listening in the first place. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't think. I don't think it would serve anybody. Yeah. Like, there's no. There's other things with Code Vein too. Like, I I've watched uh, a significant amount of people playing it, and mm-hmm. like the environments are really really bland. Yeah. Um. You know, it doesn't. Uh, 
there, there, it's not just that it's anime y. It's also it's like incredibly story forward. It's really dialogue heavy. Mm-hmm. The system of like attaching a job like system onto a souls like it does seem interesting to me. Yes. But from what I can understand, it does the thing that Diablo three does where you can just switch out at any time. Oh. So like that feels like a menu tax waiting to happen to me, even though mm-hmm. people assure me that it's not. But I just yeah. I just don't want to. I have no interest in being in that world. Yeah, um, I'm not hungry for Souls likes that much. Uh, you know, I go I go back and forth between being like, yeah, like give me all of your, you know, surges, and being like, <laughs> no, I'm full up on surges. Like I'll wait for another really cool one to come out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm in that phase right now. So, so no uh, no real interest. And mm-hmm. I think that you're right about it being a burger and then a punch. Like it can't be something that you do at the same time. <laughs> right. Um, I was trying to think of something fun that you couldn't look at. Okay. You know, like like something you have to experience, but like every time you look at it, it's like, oh, <laughs> you know, uh, but I, I couldn't come up with anything super good. Yeah, it's like a cat that's fun to pet, but when you look at it, like it's got the face, it's got the eyes of your of your dead wife. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's, its face is just a collage of ex-girlfriends. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Like, it's a perfectly good cat, except you can't you can't look at it. You can't so. look at it. Yeah, that's that's how I feel about Code Vein. Like, not the kind of game you look at. <laughs> it's not one you of know? those looking games. Yeah, it's, it's not a game that I want to have in my like view. <laughs> Pretty rough stuff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's see here. Uh, Brett, let's get this last game question out of here. Um, Brett writes: Hearing Gary's idea for an Osmosis Jones type golf game, it got me thinking about novel types of golf games that I might like to see or play. Not sure how y'all feel about Death Stranding, uh, but the idea of an in-game of an in-engine mod or some such to allow me to hit the links as Sam and Kojima's Scottish Links style version of America just seems so rad to me. I'm curious to hear which game or game engine y'all think uh, would make for a good golf time. Channel teeing off at Ash, Ash Lake, anyone? A big sand trap. <laughs> it's like one not, big yeah. ash trap. Just a, just a big, can't... just a big bunker. Yeah, yeah. Although there not are those the, those little pits where the uh, where the clams fuck. That's yeah, the clam fucking pits. <laughs> I, I do like the idea of souls golf. Yep, uh, that's pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Like even just that visual theming. Yeah, like a souls mini golf where every hole is a different area. Mm-hmm. In terms of themes, that's a really good idea. Yeah, just with the same desolate tone. Yeah, just very in the same sad music. Yeah, and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty good idea. Yeah. You got it, Brett. <laughs> I'm I'm playing and enjoying Death Stranding right now, um, and that is actually really uh, a, like a good idea, uh, considering mm-hmm. that one of the best parts about going and golfing is the walk, um, and because that is a game that is kind of about the joy of walking to a certain extent, uh, and mm-hmm. and and navigating. Like at, like I'm I'm kind of surprised that isn't an option that was built in. Um, but yeah, that would be pretty good. I like that idea. I'm not that surprised. It's not an option that was built in. Aren't there like stakes <laughs> and demons and like if somebody if a if a dead person comes up, it causes a nuclear explosion. And well, stuff? you know, like it's, it's got a lot. There's a, it's got a lot of weird stuff going on. Yeah. <laughs> like it, 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 everything yeah. seems equally likely and unlikely to be included. Genius. Um, moving on to life questions. Uh, Nicholas asks, uh, "Hey guys, I don't know really where." Uh, where else to turn to ask us? Don't answer if you don't think it's appropriate. Let me read this real quick, Cole. Okay. I have not pre-skimmed this. Sorry. Mm-hmm. That caveat got me scared. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. <clears throat> 
Nicholas asks, uh, Hey guys, I don't know where else to ask this. Don't answer if you don't think it's appropriate for the show. My brother has recently been suffering from depression and I'm at a loss on what to do for help. Uh, I try to be there for him and always be open for listening, but he has a stone wall and shuts down whenever our family asks what's going on, how we can help. I understand it's an internal battle and struggle. Being privileged and not suffering any mental condition myself, it's frustrating being an outsider when you feel so helpless and seeing someone you love struggle with it and not be able to help. Uh, any suggestions or advice from your perspective would be helpful. Two huge things at the start here. We are not mental health yeah. professionals. We are both Caveats, people. baby. Yeah, we are both people who, yeah. um, uh, you know, deal with this. And every every case of depression is different. It is not monolithic. There are different types, different expressions. Second, if you have any inkling that your brother, and this goes for anybody, anybody close to you might uh, be close to harming themselves, um, do whatever you can to get the authorities involved to stop that from happening. There are resources that you can reach out to um, that can, um, you know, help you there. Yeah. And I, and I would say start with like, you know, hotlines and mental yes. health. Yeah. Uh, stuff like that. Like when you say the authorities don't necessarily automatically go to the, the police. No, don't, yeah, don't call like the cops on call, them. Yeah, yeah, don't call no, the cops. Don't do like that. You know, the, the the authorities should stop being code for the cops. But yes. that is kind of how it works now. And there's yeah, you know, yeah. a lot I of should, very good relevant a... discourse should... about how uh, they're not trained for that. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> I should have chosen a different, uh, chosen a better word. Yeah, yeah. but but tag and help. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I guess a uh, non-podcaster help. <laughs> is yes. the uh, is, is, i think uh what, what cole meant mm -hmm. um that's just stuff um i wish i knew how old yep uh you know this person was because like you know a kid being kind of like you know if this is a teen mm -hmm. you know that's one thing uh you know it doesn't mean that, that it's any less important or there's any less like potential for harm yeah but uh you know i think that the teens do get moody Mm -hmm. You know, and, and kind of inward, and that, that makes sense for me. As an adult who's doing that, um, I think you're doing it if you're just, like, reaching out and trying to to ping them and yeah. let them know that you're there and, and trying to help them out. Um, I think you're doing it. Yeah. Um, you, you can suggest that they take other measures like, Hey, if you want to talk to somebody and, and one thing to keep in mind that I think is concrete advice is that I think in the depths of depression, sometimes things that be very simple are actually incredibly hard. Yes. Uh, such as Googling, mm -hmm. you know, or, uh, filling out a web form or calling somebody. Yes. So offering to do those things might be very helpful mm -hmm. or even just taking like, Hey, like you obviously don't sign sign him up for anything right but you could say like hey like listen i you know i know you're going through some stuff i you know and I, maybe money is a thing you know but mm -hmm. i i did some research and figured out what our county has for like free mental health stuff and yes. here's this guy i vetted him like he seems like he's like pretty good mm -hmm. you know here's his number and, and email address would you want me to set up an appointment yeah you know is that interesting to you you know, don't push it, but just be like, I can do the the legwork. I can do the little mm -hmm. little task stuff that seems impossible when you're depressed. Yeah. Uh, in, including like Googling and researching and stuff like that. I think a lot of times people feel like that stuff doesn't exist. Yeah. And it's because they can't look at it look for anything. Mm -hmm. you know, they're not in that place. Yeah. I can only speak from my own um, perspective on this, but, you know, when things got real bad for me about like five years ago, um, you know, and I've, I've, I've really dealt with this, you know, you know, pretty much my entire life, but there are flare ups and things like that. And the very, in the very depths of it, what I felt simultaneously was I wanted to isolate. I didn't want to get anybody else involved. I pretty much just wanted to be in bed, um, and not be in contact with anybody and outreach felt like an imposition. 
outreach outreach mm-hmm. also felt like it was wrapped up in guilt as well you know like why are you not seeking help why did you stop taking medication in the past you know like don't you see what you're doing to yourself this is you know distressing to me um yeah you know to you know again like depression is is insidious because it changes it literally changes the way you experience the world and changes the way you interpret what other people are are doing right it changes their motivations no matter what they no matter what they say you know so understand that 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 may be something that you're working against that your brother really just like might want to be alone until he doesn't want to be alone and might feel guilty until he realizes he he would be doing it for himself um yeah yeah you know those 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 should be things to take into account um but i think that for me the help that i needed was when i decided this is this is going too far when i made the phone call you know this is when i was living in cincinnati and all my family you know lives up here in central ohio where i live now um you know and i i didn't want to go to a new doctor like i just i i i I, any of those things i needed to get into my my current doctor you know you know at the (laughs) up here in central ohio like i needed to do that the help that i needed was when i made the call i had family members drop everything and come and get me so i wouldn't have to drive up myself i had them take care of me the couple of days that i needed to wait until i got in and got my medicine and all of that Mm. so like I think that you're doing the right stuff by being available for him, but understand that like there is a certain amount of, um, you know, um, amount of waiting that needs to happen for if he decides that this is something you can be there ready to swoop in. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It can be, uh, it, it comes in its own time. Yeah. You know, and the frustration you're feeling is really natural as well. Yeah. Um, feeling helpless is like the, you know, the shortest path to frustration, like seeing a problem and not, feeling like there's anything you can do, yeah. you know, and even harder, like having the things you're trying to do be pushed away is very difficult. Yeah. Uh, but that's just, uh, you're going to take that on because it's your brother and you love him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's kind of the way it is. I don't know. I don't have any tips for getting over that other than just, um, recognizing that it's hard, giving yourself some grace. Yeah. You know, if, if, if it's a situation in your family where you're the only person, mm-hmm. Uh, doing this, see if you can tag in some help. It doesn't sound like it. It sounds like the rest of your family is also involved yeah. based on this just, you know, brief paragraph. Uh, so that is good. Yeah. But feel free to tag in, tag in people. Yeah. Tag in help. Um, but also do not make it feel like that they are surrounded at this point or that yeah, everybody's yeah. talking about them or like, oh my gosh. Um, you know, what is their opinion of me that everybody thinks that I'm this kind of like under, you know, understand the way that it might look to a person who uh, is probably paranoid about what people's motivations are about them. Yeah. 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 It's hard. It's very stuff. hard. <laughs> like, yeah. <sighs> yeah. Bad position. I hope things get better. Yes. Uh, and take all that again as a grain of salt. That's just our personal opinions. It's not yeah. anything more than that. So, mm-hmm. Um, Cinderoff says, I just listened to the inside the battle of Portland episode on the, wor- of, uh, on the worst year ever podcast as a Portlandite. Uh, does Gary have any personal insight regarding what is going on there at the moment? I'm uh, currently recording this episode from inside a black bag. Okay. In the back of a van. Yep. Uh, having uh, we- been <laughs> extrajudicially uh, kidnapped yep. by my government. Yeah. No. Perfectly normal. Yeah, no, I'm having to do an awful lot of, like, filter work 
to uh to get the uh the sound of the jack boots out of the background there yeah so yeah it's a uh, it's tough stuff well also the sound of me like just like absolutely licking them like going mm-hmm. to town like i'm a teenager eating ass like <laughs> just just licking these boots dude yeah like i'm on tumblr and i eat ass and i like <laughs> <laughs> there's three things you gotta know about mm. me um <laughs> like, uh no it, it's real horrible but it, it's not in terms of my day-to-day i appreciate the concern um, yeah. i have stayed bunked up basically in my house it's about 40 blocks Mm-hmm. Uh, for me is where stuff 40 blocks in either direction. There's two major epicenters of this stuff. It's downtown, uh, the justice building. And then it's the uh, police union hall. Both of which are one is about 40 blocks West. One the, is about 40 the, blocks the North. The former police union hall. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. it's, it didn't totally burn down. Oh, okay. They yeah. just had the little fire. Um, there's a lot of misinformation going out about there largely from the authorities. Yep. Uh, you know, they put out a thing saying like our union hall was set on fire. Mm, that's not my understanding there's... of it based on, well, like like a, like a curtain caught on fire or something like that. Yeah, and they, yeah. You know. that, that, yeah. It's it's still the building stands. Yeah. Um, so I am about forty blocks away from it. I only I don't go to the grocery store anymore, um, mm-hmm. or restaurants. I do everything through, through delivery. I go uh, over to my girlfriend's house a mm-hmm. couple times a week, which is just a few blocks. Yeah. So I I have been pretty safe, um, and it hasn't hit down here, um, other than just like helicopters yeah. and bangs uh, every night. Right um, at sleep, so yeah, yeah. It's, not, it's not great, but mm-hmm. I don't. Uh, I'm okay. I'm safe. Yeah, and it's worth saying that uh, the average person who lives in Portland is more in danger from the police than anybody who the police might say is a danger to them. Oh, I thought a thousand percent. Yeah, like that just, shit just is so wild, it's clear. Man. Yeah, yeah, like the uh, there was that. Uh, uh, I think it was the Oregonian put out that thing uh, recently, which was like you know walking through Portland during the day and. Uh, and those contrasts with like a Fox News report that makes it seem like it's Thunderdome mm-hmm. over here, or it's like Escape from New York. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there are not roving gangs no. of of maniacs here. Uh, that is that's so far from the actual truth. Like what it is is every night, thousands of people, most of which are not like black mask antifa people. They're just mm-hmm. people. Yeah. Uh, are showing up to protest. It's a bunch shit. of moms is what I've seen recently. That, that was last yeah. night. Yeah. Last night there was like a big thing, uh, this organization of moms who put themselves between the protesters yeah. and the, the police. But like my friend, uh, Chris, who did, uh, the spec script podcast, who guested during duck fast one, mm-hmm. um, has gone down there and live streamed. I've been watching him every night. Nice. Uh, and it's just, they go and they, they stand there and they, they chant and they do shit like that. Mm-hmm. And people like, you know, definitely shit's getting knocked over and some stuff's getting spray painted. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the police show up, and then the the DHS shows up, yep. and tear gases everybody, and then they go. Uh, and that has been kind of the loop. It's not like during the day you can't push your baby in a cradle because some, you know, maniac's going to want a California cheeseburger. Like, <laughs> it's not the protesters. Like, right. it is it is the fact that you can't go downtown. Like, going downtown, there's munitions everywhere on the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't been, but I've seen a bunch of people finding then there's like a thread where it's like, hey, show me the munition you find on the ground and I'll tell you where it came from <laughs> on Twitter because we live in hell. Yeah. And like those aren't coming from protesters. No. <laughs> like protesters are not bringing guns mm-hmm. uh, to this or weapons, really. Yeah. It's all shields. You know, it's, it's there's all this stuff about how to make a shield. Right. You know, it is it is a purely defensive thing. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, it's it's no good. It's pretty it's taking up a lot of brain space. Yeah for me and it's real weird that it's that close like i am safe but 40 blocks is not that far no, uh, no. it is a real weird feeling like yeah. i could walk there pretty easy mm-hmm. 
And, you know, I, I, I say this living in a small town where this is unlikely to happen, but uh, this is coming to a city near you, you know, yeah, like, well, yeah, like yeah, this, yeah. The, the, this is a testing ground uh, yeah. for bringing this kind of response to other other cities. Portland is a theater right now. Yeah. Openly. Yeah. Like they're basically he's just saying like, yeah, we're trying to protect Portland and then just going to, you know. We're planning to do this on other towns, and we already yeah. have. Mm-hmm. Like it's it, there's no there's no hiding right. it or anything. So yeah, it's no good. Uh, it's super no good. Mm-hmm. It's really horrible. Yeah. It is like travesty after travesty. Like you know, and I I just it drives me fucking nuts that like when I when I read that article and it showed like the Fox News report and I'm like it's just it's a lie. Mm-hmm. You know, like I I can look out I'm I look out my window. Mm-hmm. You know, and like I'm right here. There are not roving gangs of dangerous protesters mm-hmm. like that's it's just not happening right like i am i am here mm-hmm. and it drives me crazy just to be like some of those fuckers put that on tv mm-hmm. you know L- lying about the city that you live in and love <laughs> like it's real weird like you can you can it is a matter of opinion whether like you can i it's not i don't think it's the correct opinion but somebody mm-hmm. could say like yeah people are gathering and the police are okay to break it up Right. You know, like, that's okay. Like, I don't agree with that, but that's something that there's room for disagreement about. That's like an opinion thing. But it is objectively not true that there are dangerous roving gangs of protesters who are hurting people. Mm -hmm. Like, that is just categorically untrue. Like, you can argue whether you think the police are justified in making people go home. Right. But you can't argue that, like, yeah, you're really in danger of getting, like... I don't know, like escape from New York t- <laughs> from from like being downtown here because yeah. of citizens yeah. when when the opposite is actually true. Like there's just tons of video footage of people being brought into vans by unidentified officers, like driven around for 90 minutes and then photographed and released. Right. You know, detained for terrorism reasons for mm-hmm. like to harass and terrorize them. Yeah. Uh, it's really rough. Yeah, um, this is also the culmination of a huge project to cast Port- Portland as a particular kind of place. Like, even a couple of years ago, when I told a family member, like, "Yeah, I'm headed down to Portland this you know, this fall," like they said, "Oh, watch out, watch out for Antifa," and yeah. I was like, it's "Okay, such a ludicrous thing to I'm, say." I'm, I'm pre- you know. I don't blame them, but like <laughs> that is so fucking silly because yeah. like. You know, it's not a JRPG. I'm not walking around and getting into <laughs> random encounters with Antifa. Yeah. And I told them, <laughs> like, I'm I'm anti-fascist, so it's probably going to be okay for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, it just it's just weird. It's it, it just weird, the narrative. Yeah. It, it's, uh, it's, it's weird, and another word for it is uh, tragic and infuriating. Yes. It's really bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, so people, Portland is like, this is not a hellhole. It is no. not escape from New York. Um, I have no vested interest in, uh, you know, lying about that. I'm not on the tourism board or anything. <laughs> um, it just, you know, don't believe right. people who say that is what's going on. Yes. Um, um yeah. yeah. Let's see here. Do we want to do more life questions or do we want to move on uh, to a different, let's switch over to media show, the media show zone. We can do this one because it'll be real quick. Uh, Dan asks, who's your favorite unsung, quote, shredder? I, I assume referring to guitarists. Uh, mine would be Jason Becker, Cacophony, etc. Taken down by an illness at 20, but amazing songs, Speed Metal Symphony. Also, do you like brown sauce in your sausage sandwich? Hopefully that's not just a British thing. 
It's an extremely British thing, my man. Yeah. I don't know, we, <laughs> I don't know what any of those things mean in relation to each other. <laughs> uh, like, I don't know that I've had, like, a sausage sandwich. I'm not going get to get into, like, a hot dog thing. Um, oh, I mean, it's, it's clear, like, it, like, yeah, like a breakfast sandwich is what it may, I'm yeah. thinking of. Okay. Like a biscuit, like a sausage biscuit. Oh, gotcha. And no. then could brown sauce be, like, a gravy? Me? I don't know. What, let me see here. Uh, what is brown sauce? Is <laughs> brown and uh, water. Uh, computer, show me brown sauce. <laughs> bring, bring me a brown sauce. Um, computer, bra- I'm looking for something in a breakfast sauce. <laughs> brown sauce is a condiment <laughs> served with food in the United Kingdom and Ireland. Normally dark brown in color. The ingredients vary. Tomatoes, molasses, dates, <laughs> apples, tamarind, spices, vinegar, sometimes raisins. So it sounds like a... Okay. Like a uh, yeah. So like a ketchup. Yeah. It's, it's, it's almost like a, like, like a mixture of like a like ketchup, barbecue sauce, and Worcestershire sauce. Yeah, um, I, I think that sounds good. I think that if I were in uh, a place that served it and I was getting a sausage sandwich, which uh-huh. I have no objections to, liking yeah. both sausage and sandwiches, I would get it with that sauce. Yeah. Um, I would give it a, definitely give it a try. That sounds good to me. Mm-hmm. As for shredders, that's not really a type of music that I really enjoy, like speed metal kind of stuff. Like I've got guitarists yeah. that I like, you know, I, I'm pretty open about liking Queens of the Stone Age. I think Josh Hom is very good. Um, and an unconventional kind of, go, you know, guitarist who's kind of in that vein, but yeah, I don't know that I would qu- qualify him as a shredder or anybody else who I really enjoy as a shredder while also, you know, understanding why people enjoy and look at that kind of stuff. Yeah. I, I, I tend not to be super into, uh, that either like guitar heroics, but I like the, uh, guitar heroics of say like built to spill or dinosaur jr which are yeah. both very guitar focused and there's a mild amount of shred but it's not fast shredding um as i am not a metal man <laughs> i am not metal man i am not metal man yeah. i'm not metal cat mario mm-hmm. uh Kellerak asks uh, i know you both expressed liking tim and eric have you watched anything by eric andre i feel like their styles are, styles are similar and i wanted to hear if you had any takes on them um i love eric andre yep uh yes I, I don't feel like they're that similar, honestly, but I do think that they're both very good. Mm-hmm. Yep. I've enjoyed, I've mostly like watched clips or whatever, like h- him straight up bringing the heat on Flava Flav for supporting, uh, what's his name? Oh gosh. Oh, Farid or just blah, blah, for the Farrakhan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah for, uh, for, for, for supporting Farrakhan. Like that is incredibly funny <laughs> to me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So would you say that Margaret Thatcher utilized <laughs> girl power when she you know, like that, that kind of shit's extremely good. Yeah, yeah. Um it's been on my list. I've added it on Hulu to uh to, to poke around more and watch like full episodes of it. But yeah, everything yeah. that I've watched has been very good. I, I find him much more hostile mm-hmm. than Tim and Eric, and he also interfaces with reality more. Yeah. In kind of like a uh you know Sacha Baron Cohen kind of way. Yeah. Like he goes and like the, the video of him going to the Republican National Convention is funny, <laughs> uh, but also kind of scary and hostile. Yeah. <laughs> There's like a scariness energy to it that I never really feel with Tim and Eric, or like when I do it's more unnerving. Right. And more on purpose. Like Eric Andre is uh seems very aggressive to me in a way that Tim and Eric don't. Yeah. But I, I like them both very much. Yes. Yeah. Love it. <clears throat> Uh, moving on to show questions. Uh, Joseph asks, or no, I asked the last one. This one's you. Oh, here we go. Uh, Joseph asks, 
Hello, just subscribed recently, and I'm really loving the shows. Keep it up. In reference to Disco Elysium, I really wanted to play the game until I saw that the developer had a picture of Stalin hanging in their office. As a history teacher in the UK, this made me feel so uncomfortable that I couldn't bring myself to buy the game. Is this reasonable? I know people have been having similar issues when it comes to The Last of Us 2 and Naughty Dog's work practices, but have you ever been put off playing or covering a game because of the developer? Did you think about this before covering Disco Elysium? This is, kind of rolls into that earlier stuff. A little bit, the yeah. art and artist thing a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, like that. So I wasn't aware that they had a picture of Stalin up. I've not seen anything in the game so far. Gary, you've beaten it. I'm probably about halfway through based on play clock. Um, I've not seen anything where they're like straightforward saying, yes, Stalin was right. Um, it's, a, it's actually the opposite. Like they're yeah. incredibly critical about yeah. uh, like the history of communism. Mm-hmm. Like the, the game does not, uh, to me, like the, the game is, uh, we talk about politics as backdrop. Like there are, it is a political game, but it's also a game that's more about like, you know, what kind of human do you want to be and what does humanity look like in the, the face of these systems, mm-hmm. you know, as kind of uh, the backcasting. Yeah. So that definitely doesn't come through in the game. Right. Like I'm, I'm sure that they are leftist, like they're, you know, the Chapo people do voices right. in the mm-hmm. game and stuff, but it's not, uh, I don't think that they are pro, you know, mass death right. in any way. Yeah. No. So, so. Uh, you know, to, like, to answer that specifically. Um, I would not be down with, you know, supporting a work that was like pro Stalinism. Fuck that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I've seen a bunch of like, you know, I, I feel like there is an element of people like most of the, the smart left people who I know who even who identify as communist mm-hmm. are not like super down with Stalin no. and not super down. Like there are like kind of caricature ones. Who, well, there are you know, tankies. tankies are, yeah. Yeah, who are, who are into, like, yes, that went well. I think most people who I know who are into communism are like, this is a beautiful idea, mm-hmm. you know, and it should not just go down the his, you know, go down the drain because of the way it's articulated, given right. that, like, these other ideas that are less beautiful, mm-hmm. you know, are also, like, it's not like capitalism is doing good. <laughs> right. You know, people are also suffering under that. They're just suffering under different ways. Like, mm-hmm. um I think that is the perspective of the game and that's been the perspective of most like the, the smart left-leaning people who I know. Yeah. You know? Uh, and I think that like, you know, having a picture of Stalin up in the office, what I imagine is that's them being irony fucks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, more than anything. You know, that like them, like I, I bet you they consider that to be like a puckish sense of humor mm-hmm. uh, more than anything. And also they're, they're like, they're in Estonia. So they've got a lot of skin in the game as regards, you know, living right next to this you know, and living right next to, and I believe being part of the Soviet union. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's might be a little bit element of like reclaiming or a, yeah. it's not something like I could do like as just, you know, this white American dude, it'd be real weird for me to do that, Yeah, you know, but maybe they have a little bit more uh, justification in that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, in terms of in general, like knowing something about the, the developer and not playing a game that's happened to me only really with um, small indie games where it's like one person. Yeah. Yeah. The, what what yeah. was the uh, like Ion Randolph Fury or whatever? Carter. Yeah, Ion Fury is the one. Um, Ethan Carter, which is apparently like a really good game, but the guy is a shithead. Yeah, and yeah. It's basically him, so I don't want to give him money. Mm-hmm. You know, but with labor practices, um, with that stuff, like I don't. In general, like I think that shit sucks, but I haven't decided to boycott anything based on it. 
mm-hmm. um you know through the nature of me is like i'm not huge supporters of that stuff anyway like that doesn't like, tend to create the kind of games that you're super excited to play outside of yeah. like cd project red stuff yeah which like even that i'm probably not going to get day and date because i'm intimidated by it like yeah. i'm interested in that obviously but i'm also not hungry for like a 300 hour yeah. thing you know ever um so yeah that tends not to, to put me off too much, but I think it's good to be aware of. Like, I don't like the labor practice shit. It just has not made me boycott because mm-hmm. I'm naturally boycotting. Right. You know, I'm not buying them anyway. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, moving on to uh, Matt. Matt says, uh, what game consoles or handhelds do you have immediately available to play WAF games on? What is your general policy on using emulation as opposed to original hardware? Fine with emulation. Um, don't really feel too much compunction about that, uh, especially if save states are going to be helpful stuff that we have on hand. Like both of us have PS fours and switches. Both of us have Vita's, um, mm-hmm. you know, both of us at 3S. least have, yeah, DS, 3DS, both of us, both of us have access to 360s and PS threes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think we have the same same systems generally. I have a couple other like dumb handhelds that we're not going to do games on. Right, right. Like we're not going to do Neo Geo Pocket games, but I do have a Neo Geo Pocket. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, and I, I like emulation. I like playing everything on PC mm-hmm. if I can help it. Yeah, that is my preference. Uh, PC or Switch. Yes. Um, I either want to be laying in bed or sitting at my computer, and no points in between, mm. uh, which yeah. comes from living in a one room house. Yep. Um. Um, let's see here. And is this you or me? I know we uh, recently, I, I, this is, uh, this is you, this will be me. So last show question here, Marcus writes, maybe you've answered this before. Uh, but what made you guys come up with abject suffering? It's not like WAF where it's just an extension of talking about games that you like and sharing that with the world. Um, how does one say, well, let's make a podcast where we play things that mostly aren't fun, uh, and somehow make it fun to listen to. I love Epic Suffering and your other content, so I've always wondered what the thought process was. It's a good question. <laughs> I don't even know if I know the answer myself. No, it, it just, it, it's, we originally were going to dunk on bad games, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the way that is happens on the internet. Yep. You know, and then we got to one where we had nothing to say about it. Uh, you know, the original concept was like dunk on bad games and let people put them in the pot and randomize mm-hmm. yeah. which ones we picked. And then we got to Knights of the Round or whatever, and there was, like, nothing to say. Right, right. And it's just like, what's in the news today? Like, <laughs> what else do we talk about? There's always been, like, room for digressions, but that is mm-hmm. the fulcrum on which the show became digression-heavy and kind of became yeah. a free-form. Like, that, that was be. early. Like, that was, like, episodes in the early 30s. Yeah. 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 Even, I think it's even earlier than that. Yeah. Uh, that one, possibly. But it happened pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, yeah. And then at that point, I you know, me and Cole don't have a, a show where we don't, or where we just talk. Mm-hmm. So the show kind of became that. And then also, you know, uh, a prompt. Yeah. Like the, the way I think of games for that show is, a, is as a prompt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, and that's really it. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I don't feel any kind of like obligation in that show. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody uh, wrote uh in and they were like hey you guys did something i really like finally and you guys didn't talk about it you know and it's i i and that's that's not their fault no we don't no. do a good job of explaining what the show is right, right. or anything you know and that's happened before mm-hmm. uh, a couple times too and it's just like no nah, you know it's it's not it's the place where duty dies yeah it's it's you know it's it's not that kind of thing right, uh, right. it is its own thing mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So it started as one thing and then it just kind of became the show that we felt like we wanted to do the show that was fun to do and the show that people responded to. Yeah. You know, and, and, and people, you know, people seem to like it. And for people for whom it is, it is not, uh, not for them. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's okay. Yeah. We understand. Yeah. It doesn't, does not hurt our feelings. Um, let's do the lightning round real quick. Yeah. Uh, Ian says, what is the conservative right wing idea perspective you find the most compelling? Uh, meaning you do not have to agree with it, but you find the idea perspective interesting enough to be worth considering. I was re you know, not hopeful, but I was intrigued that Donald Trump kind of ran on, uh, pulling back out of military engagements. Obviously he had no intention of fulfilling that and has been a horrible mess otherwise. Um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, skepticism about military involvement abroad and um, uh, large international trade deals that became a part of the platform. And I was curious, but skeptical. Um, and I'm sure they're going to discard it going forward. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a good one. Um, you know, we, we do, I think that somebody phrased the, the inversion of this at one point, like what is the leftist idea you can't get behind? Yeah. Yeah. And that was easier because it's like, I'm all in on like, you know, uh, police meaning something totally different. Yeah. But I haven't read enough about abolishment to get on board, mm -hmm. you know, and same thing with uh, prisons. Like I want to read more about that. Like yes. it's not that I, I think that it's not the case, but I want to mm -hmm. read more about it. Yeah. But that the inverse is not true. It's not like the conservative position that we should brutalize the criminals. <laughs> no. It's something no. I'm like, hmm, seems like a good idea. Like <laughs> that, that should 100% be uh -huh. the case. Um, so I'm just going to say, I'm going to say yours is like foreign involvement. Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't necessarily even think of that as like a, a conservative idea. It historically is not like it's a, it's a thing. Not, it's a thing yeah. that both parties always like accuse the other of doing too much of when they're in power. But and they like, both, yeah, everyone does it. Like we're yeah. never going to get our finger out of those fucking pies. Right. You know, so maybe none. I don't, maybe none of those ideas are good. Like it's really hard maybe, to think of an economic policy. Ideas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you and, have and, no good conservative ideas. Yeah. The, the only Republicans yeah. that I probably agree with wholeheartedly are the radical Republicans in the Reconstruction. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just, I just don't think those are good ideas. No. No. You know? Don't seem, don't seem very kind. Don't seem very humanist. Like, yeah. Don't seem like they want the best for all. Yeah. You know, public good, I'm, I'm very, uh, very into. Mm hmm. Same. You know, call me crazy. Yeah. Uh, Todd writes, you guys joke about backdoor WAFs on Abject Suffering, but is there a game you've already covered that you would actually consider featuring on WAF? Personally, I'd love a bad mojo WAF. Um, um, I think a, like a bad mojo WAF would be tough just because I think we covered a lot of it. We did, yeah. In that episode. Um, and there's like the two classic ones. There's like bad mojo and then contradiction. Contradiction's a good one, yeah. Yeah, contradiction is just a WAF episode, mm -hmm. basically. Um so, you know, I don't know. Like, every once in a while, like, something like that will come up and we'll say it mm -hmm. in an episode. But it's hard for something to come to mind for me. Uh, Goonies 2 was another one where we're like, yeah, covering this here because a patron demanded it doesn't mean we're not going to cover it on WAF you know, elsewhere. Oh, yeah. 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 I forgot about that one. I would like to do Goonies 2 at some point. Mm -hmm. uh, that would be difficult, but I think it would be, it'd be fun because it's, yeah. it's a hostile game, but it's cool. Yeah. Um, that's a good one. That's a good good answer. I'm yeah. just coattailing on all your answers on that's fine. Don't on worry. This one because uh, yeah, I ran I, out of brain juice. I had a I, I had a little bit of an advantage because when I compiled the list here, I kind of thought of answers. So don't worry. Yeah. 
okay. I'm certainly not worried about it. Uh, Holland uh, says, For the rest of Waff and Abdul Suffering's life, you can own as many consoles and actual titles as you want, but as far as emulators and ROMs go, you can only have one console. Which console do you choose to steal, you dirty pirates? So one emulator. One emulator. That's tough. That is tough. Yeah. Um, because my, my – so here's here's my, my – ah, boy, that's tough. Yeah. Because it's like do you go for availability or do you go mm-hmm. for convenience? Yeah. Is it guaranteed to work entirely? Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, my, my instinct wants to say like PS2. And the reason why is because it's such a pain to haul out my PS2. Mm-hmm. But that's not a good reason. You know, no. <laughs> that's my instinct. It's like I hate hooking that <laughs> thing up. Like, yeah. Uh, and, and like my uh, instinct is to say like Super Nintendo or the PlayStation, but really like I like the best of those things. Um, and those things are available on non, on mini consoles and right. consoles. Yeah. Yeah. What a stumper. Yeah, this what is a, a this is a hound. real stumper. But as far yeah. as emulators and ROMs go, okay. So which uh, uh, okay, if we're assuming this is for the show and for enjoyment, which console generation would benefit the most from save states? Because that is the killer feature. No, if we a, can have yeah, everything else, yeah, that's a good question. Or that's a good uh, way to look at it. Yeah. Um, probably the Nintendo. Yeah. NES, like Super Nintendo, is a very close second. Yes. Yeah. Let's say NES. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what a what a horrible choice you've given us. <laughs> uh, what does Chaos Trigger say? Uh, Chaos Trigger says, I saw remarks in the Slack about songs based on video games. I wonder where you guys stand when it comes to video game music covers and remixes. Uh, there's uh, a lot of very cool stuff on OC Remix, as long as you can avoid like the, you know, half hour long EDM super mix um, where everything just kind of sounds the same. Yeah. I don't listen to those. No. Yeah, I have no problem with video game music covers. I like the mini bosses and the advantage and bands that do that. I think that's cool. Um, I just don't like it when someone's like, I wrote this song about a video game. And I don't like it when someone takes video game music and then makes up lyrics about the video game to the video game music. No. Uh, No. I find that stuff embarrassing. Or as kids say, cringy. But really (laughs) embarrassing is what what they mean. Yes. So embarrassing is a perfectly good word. Yep. <laughs> we have no. that. You do not need to make a yeah. new one. No. Uh, Mark says, uh, I can't remember if you already covered this one, so apologies up front if it's a repeat. Which book slash film slash game would you like but struggle to recommend to others? Um, I mean, I, I don't know that I have an answer for all three, but classic answer is pathologic. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a tough one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's hard to watch. Uh, like, you know, I, I will watch things with my girlfriend, mm-hmm. and it's hard when something is, like, particularly intense and, and dark. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, I'm I'm sure that she would end up digging Breaking Bad, uh, but it's also, like, that goes to some dark places. Like, yeah, that's one of the things I love about it. Mm-hmm. But you have to really be okay with that. So, like, for me, this stuff tends to come in with, like, appetite of darkness stuff. Like, yeah. are you going to enjoy There Will Be Blood? Like, it is a really dark movie without a lot of hope in it. <laughs> and that that's that's kind of stuff I dig, you know. Yeah. Uh, so things like that, generally. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at a Blu-ray copy of The Mist here. Like, I, I wouldn't yeah. give that to somebody unless I knew they were having a very good day. Or a very bad yeah. day. <laughs> yeah. You know, or they just like like the monster movies. Well, yeah. Like there's yeah. there's a you can detach from the mist as well if it's mm-hmm. not gonna you know, you can make that not touch your heart. Yep. Yeah. You 
Yeah. If you want to. Uh, and then finally, uh, oh, this is you. That's yeah. Matt. Uh, Matt says, any misconceptions about the show that you don't think someone will ever ask about? Something the average listener uh, doesn't know that they don't know. Hmm. This is tough. Um, I think that especially if somebody is new to the show, first, they're probably not listening to this, so they wouldn't hear it. But if they're new to the show, like, I think that, uh, it, it, it would be important to get across that. Yes, we really do play these games, like all yeah. of them, you know? Yes. It is not just a survey course, like, uh, you know, like a number of other, you know, retro games, podcast kind of stuff sometimes yeah. end up being. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and that's you know that's not uh, those other you know you can do a survey course and have it be great. Yeah, we're not. There's absolutely no shade. <laughs> that that but is I not think like does, yeah hidden like no, no, no. just shade on retronauts or whatever. There's just different I didn't shows. Feel like you were shading. On yeah, it. yeah, different different shows. I think it does cause a different uh, perspective that may or may not be something you like. Like mm-hmm. I, we've definitely had people listen to the show before, and like we have a couple like three star reviews that are like. <laughs> Why is this just them saying what happens in the game? Right, right. You know, and it's like, well, it's like a book club. You know, yeah. we talk about it when it pops up. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's a like a misconception in terms of people who actually listen, mm-hmm. who might not uh, understand stuff. I think that sometimes people don't uh, understand the degree to which, like, when we're in comedy mode, there is some character stuff going on. Like, oh yeah, yeah. We both exaggerate uh, for humor. Mm-hmm. A lot of the time. So like every once in a while, uh, and this is, this is my own ego speaking, right? Mm-hmm. Like, but somebody will be like, say something I said on purpose to be funny as if I said it on accident. Oh yeah. And they'll be like, no, 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 I, I knew what I, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and that, that, again, that's like an ego thing, but it's uh-huh. true. Like, you know, I've been, been doing this for a little while. I know how to <laughs> make a laugh at my own expense on right, purpose, right. you know, or yeah. offer up a premise you know, or throw a premise into a fire mm-hmm. on purpose. <laughs> right. You know, because it's, it's, it will be the funny thing to do in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so an intentional you know, so, misread, um, you know, yeah. just like, t- like taking a position that you don't necessarily believe in just because it'll be fun for the conversation, et cetera. Yeah. So yeah. Th- there's some of that stuff. Like I think in general, there's not a whole lot of difference between show Gary and real Gary, but there is a little mm-hmm. bit of a difference. And yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, it comes through in comedy mode more than anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. During, I think, the Mario Golf episode, I said large hard-on collider instead of large hadron collider, which was yeah. absolutely a joke. And somebody just posted a comment saying, quote, large hard-on collider. I don't know if they knew it was a joke or not. And, like, they were yeah. just saying, like, yeah, that was that was funny. I want to I want to say the joke back, which is cool. Or if they were like, wow, that was a dumb thing to say. No, I know, I know it's a large hadron collider. It's just funny to say it the other way. But it can also be a dumb thing to say. Yeah. Like that, you know, it, but it can also be funny and on purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it can be all those things. Yeah. Um, but in general, like there is a lot of like instinct that goes into uh, the, at least the, the way that I approach like podcasting, like very little planning. But it's also not uh, it's not that it like a lot of accidents are happening. There's some, right. mm-hmm. you know, but it's it's you know, a lot of that stuff is on purpose, yeah. which is could could be very damning to you. Like if you're listening to this and you're like, <laughs> yeah. I'm giving them a lot of grace. Like they just, you know, they always talk about how tired and depressed they are. Of course, they're making mistakes. And we're here <laughs> telling you like, they're not mistakes, actually. Yeah. Like, we're tired and depressed and we do that on purpose. Yeah. Like it's somehow worse. Uh, <laughs> you know? Uh, these so these, this these things that way. bother you, they delight us. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It can definitely go either way. Right. 
So. Oh, man. Oh, let's do the topic. Yeah, let's do the topic. Uh, let's see here. Uh, so I will uh, take this. Uh, the topic this month, uh, David writes in, with all the terrible things going on in the world these, these days, and especially since many of those things are hitting very close to home for a lot of us, I've been appreciating games as a brief escape from reality. Whether it's a few hours in the National Park in Firewatch or a longer visit to Lordran, anything that can just help me get away for a while has been greatly appreciated. Uh, while I'm not advocating for using games to run away from your problems, it is nice to have a comfortable place to go. So I have two questions for you guys. One, what role do games play personally in escapism for you, and how do you feel about escapism in general? Two, if you tend to escape via games, what are some of your favorites to slip into when the real world gets to be too much? Yeah, uh, th this was asked as a normal question, but we... Uh, promoted it yes. to topic because we're talking about escapism in general uh, makes sense. And also with the uh, increasingly, you know, pure black world tendency <laughs> going on. Uh, Satsuki standing right, right on front of my house, just like yeah. banging bottles together. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's a, uh, there's all kinds of doors that are open now that yeah. weren't open before. Um, but yeah, because, because things are so dark, like uh, this is something that I've been thinking about yeah. a lot. Yeah. Um, you, I'll, I'll start with a, with an idea okay. uh, about this. It's not directly in relation to the question, but it's something that like that made me want to talk about this topic. Mm -hmm. um, is that I spent the you know majority of my life um, having what I think is kind of common, which is like a minor derision at the idea of escapism. Yes. Um, which tends to go hand in hand with um, any kind of chauvinism about art. Mm -hmm. You know, like in trying to draw the line between like serious art and you know, pop art or, you know, things like that, genre pieces, things like that. And, uh, recently, and I have almost like 180 and let myself off the hook for that entirely mm -hmm. in kind of my life arc of in general, like being kinder to Gary. Uh, but it plays into this. Like, I, I think that I was wrong to look down my nose at the idea of escapism or have any kind of like, negative association with something that's actually like an incredibly useful tool yeah, and really, really valuable. And also like just kind of feels good and owns mm. uh, and realizing <laughs> that things that like feel good that are non-productive are not also have their place. Yes. Was like a, kind of a hard lesson for me as somebody who like, who my taste is are part of my identity and who can be snobby about things. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that for me, I, I definitely had a lot of the same attitude and I've, I've come around that, you know, the ability to find escapism, not just in games, but, you know, I like I re I read to calm down, you know, um, yeah. you know, like just like any number of those things where leaning on internal worlds for lack of a better uh for lack of a better idea or, or or word for this or you know leaning on media um as part of a uh you know let's say diverse quiver of coping strategies especially when things get really hard that is absolutely a, a vital survival skill um i think yeah where <laughs> most of the time when i have really bucked up you know bucked against the idea that games function as escapism is when somebody says something along the lines of this should the the only purpose that this serves should be escapism there's an element in here that reminds me of a problem in the real world 
And therefore that runs counter to what this thing should be. Um, sure. This is something that you run into with people who say, why are you forcing politics into in, into this thing? Can't you just let a game be a game? Um, I think that is a toxic impulse um, that can lead to a lot of bad places, similar to the way that nostalgia can be used as a weapon to lead to a lot of bad places. But like nostalgia, um, escapism is something that I've really come around on as being, you know, not negative, not negative, um, you know, value neutral at the at the at the least and value positive, possibly in some circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, there are kind of two, two sides of it, you know, yeah. like the, there's the intellectual discourse side that, that, you know, scoffs at escapism and is like, you know, uh, and you know, cause, cause we're a games podcast. We'll talk about this through the frame of games, but it talks yes. for, you know, it speaks to everything, but are just like, Oh, you know, it is, it is dumb to want to have the fireworks factory. Like it, it is stupid to, uh, and less artful to want to play this game that has like fun shooting, Mm-hmm. and is fun to go do this thing. Yeah. And then you also run into people who are like, games should only be that. Right, right. You know, and, and neither is right. Like, mm-hmm. not to, you know, centrist it up, but <laughs> it's neither true that, like, no game should be that or all games should be that. Yeah. Different things serve different purposes, you know? Like, yeah. uh, you know, I think that both Doom 2016 and Disco Elysium are essential um yeah <laughs> right just different essential for essential for different things yeah you know and you have to be like uh recognizing in yourself like when you need or want yeah one of those medicines is is the work you know mm-hmm. like that's that's the humanity that's like being a person and having a relationship with art mm-hmm. you know where you can say like i'm ready i want something enriching like, give me something to chew on and nutritive mm-hmm. and that is going to challenge me and I'm going to have to bring myself into. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's a mode. Like, that's a mood or a mode you can be in. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is not inherently virtuous and it's also not uh, inherently sinful or, like, bad to never be in that mode. Yeah. Like, those people <laughs> who are saying, like, why do you have to put this in video games? The reason why they're wrong isn't because they don't want to play games with politics in it. Mm-hmm. It's because they're saying they shouldn't exist and yeah. can't just be happy playing, you know, eating another swing in a different part of the pool. Right. You know, it's okay to just like, this isn't what I come to this for. Like mm-hmm. one of the things I'm realizing, like, like I love reading Yep. in general. Um, I don't come to books for incredibly challenging, crunchy, like, you know, gravity's rainbow shit. Yeah. I I've tried Mm-hmm. It doesn't work for me. It's it's not my relationship with reading. It doesn't feel good to me. I don't mm-hmm. like it. And you can you can make the argument like, oh, just like buckle up and, and take your medicine. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, like I say, like about everything, I take my medicine elsewhere. Yeah. You know, I, I, I just get medicine other ways. You know, yeah. it's okay. Uh, you know, there's there's knowing that you're in the mode and knowing what things you want for that. It's like an important part of self-knowledge. Mm-hmm. You know, I will play a Disco Elysium, which I think is crunchy and emotion has a lot of emotional depth, mm-hmm. you know, or I'll watch like a movie like a that, that I think is has a lot of emotional depth and is crunchy and has a lot of, you know, incredibly like, you know, challenging and like kind of intellectual themes. Yeah. yeah. And books like I'm, I realize I'm like, man, I'm like real happy, like mm-hmm. reading comics and 
and source books and <laughs> right you know makes yeah. me real happy well and there are different modes too there might be something that comes along that you know changes that temporarily for you you mm-hmm. know there's an ebb and flow to a lot of this yeah which which made me think of another thing that i was thinking about with this uh this question is that like how much of my experience as being a depressed person mm-hmm. or, or just like living in my own head uh intersects with endurance like how often that is it is not a problem to be solved and yeah. there isn't a thing i can do um you know i will be uh in a specific mood or have a specific kind of like mental malady and there isn't a, a solution for it mm-hmm. i can't fix it you know i can i take medication to kind of manage it mm-hmm. there's no fast acting medication no there's no inhaler for it so in those cases i have to be like yep you know today is kind of a wash Mm -hmm. like i feel like shit uh i am overwhelmed i can remove myself from the internet and kind of remove some of the stimulus but i don't feel good what will distract me you know what is going to make time move forward while i endure this (laughs) right what can i plug into that will yeah that that will let me detach yeah i just need to focus on something other than myself mm-hmm. and like what, what I, you know what is happening inside my head I, yeah i cannot i cannot be locked in here uh mm-hmm. left to my own devices i will drink salt water i will you know doom scroll right yeah um yep. you know and in that case escapism engaging with something else when you're really not feeling up to it right now sorry um, that is that 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 is a valuable thing to be able to do without guilt, yeah. um, and consciously as a choice that you are making for yourself. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think about that as a, a valuable thing for it. Like it, it is uh, useful just to put yourself mm-hmm. somewhere sometimes. Yeah. Um, in terms of like places that I find, you know, there's kind of two elements. Like there's the pretending to be somewhere else. Right. You know, which can come through. And there's also just the getting out of your head and focusing on a different thing Mm -hmm. element. And I am much more in the second than the the first. Like, I don't. Yeah. I don't don't think like being in a place. If I go into a real, like into a realistic world in a video game when I'm not necessarily like feeling up to engaging with a realistic world, you know, in my you know meat body or whatever Mm -hmm. like i'm going to carry a lot of those feelings forward into it like if Mm -hmm. i can't bring myself to you know to wash my dishes like bringing myself to go kill those 10 crabs or whatever in a morrowind is going to feel really similar to that to me i'm going to be like disengaged to it so like you don't want to go on the yard work simulator (laughs) right um (laughs) although weirdly a game that is a yard work simulator like house flipper or whatever or thief simulator or something like that where you are engaging with a very limited scope of things like you're not actually like existing in this world and and you know doing a you know engaging in anything close to agency. You are completing you're completing tasks and engaging with systems that weirdly gets around it for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm in the the, the 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 second boat there where something that is more systems heavy, which is why like I don't know, I can tell how depressed I am by how much Tetris I'm playing at a given time. Sure. <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
<laughs> like and that you know that, that that is nowhere near to another world that you are plugging into to exist in elsewhere that is something that you are doing to occupy parts of your parts of your brain to keep you in a pattern yeah and, th- and there's a scale too like because sometimes you can play something realistic or i can mm-hmm. uh and it's just like the thing that gives me the proper remove is I'm buying into the premise. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I'm not Gary Butterfield. I'm, you know, Blake Shootley, star of Watch Dogs 3. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and like, Blake Shootley's going to go and, and, you know, take care of things. Uh-huh. Um, so th- there's an element of that. When I want to actually be in a different place, um, th- those kind of like, you know, uh, yard work simulators you mentioned, mm-hmm. I want to give a big shout out to a game I've only played a couple hours of, but they were really therapeutic, which is uh, the coin game. Oh, yeah. Which has now had the survival update, uh, has been Ooh. patched into it. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yep, so there is the uh there is the the game mode of it. But just being like, yeah, I'm gonna wander around our perpetual childhood and play carnival games. Yeah. Uh made me feel like I was in a place in a way that was like incredibly valuable. Yeah. Uh especially since, you know, going out and doing things is not possible now. Uh, hugely. Yeah. VR has been like that for me, like certain, you know, things that you can get on the Oculus Quest that end up being like just virtual nature tour kind of stuff. Of like mm. actual places or just like zooming around Google Earth as a game experience. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, just to just just to get out and see some stuff. Um, that has also been very helpful right now in this specific circumstance. I could definitely see that. Yeah. For sure. Like a, as a as a thing. So there's kind of different levels of what you want. Yeah. You know, like, do I want to just be out of my head? Do I want to actually pretend to go somewhere? Mm-hmm. You know, how much of that do I need? Yes. You know, and for the second part of the question here, like, what are some of your favorites to slip into when the real world gets to be too much? Um, I love management sims and eh, let's even say the sims, um, because if you, you know, part, part of my depression and anxiety comes from feeling like I'm out of control, um, Mm -hmm. and going in and playing something like Frostpunk or RimWorld, um, even, you know, even though those are extremely hostile grabbing those inclement situations and turning them around and getting a hold of them feels very gratifying gratifying um mm-hmm. you know similarly the sims you know we talked about that when we did our episode about the sims you know as a refreshing meritocracy simulator and how important mm-hmm. that is um you know like that is still true um and i think plays into this quite a bit yeah Absolutely. Yep. You know, the, the Sims is my ultimate canary in a coal mine <laughs> for, for, for depression. Like that's, you know, things are bad right. uh, when I get that out, even though I, you know, I love that video game, things tend to be bad. Um, so that's one of them. And then also things that I know really well, like running through dark souls or whatever. Yeah. That's like a, that's a, that's a big thing. Like, uh, you know, and then also because of the nature of our job, sometimes like just getting ahead on work will, Oh, so yeah. this escapism purpose. Ooh, yeah. Like be really therapeutic. Um, just like, hell yeah. Like I can <laughs> I need space to be depressed in the next week because I don't have to play a game for work. <laughs> like, um, so yeah, that that's kind of kind of my experience. But I guess like in, in, in a general sense, like let yourself off the hook for enjoying escapism. Yeah. You know, like there, there are video games I don't like and I'll be like, I think this game sucks. And then somebody will be like, well, it's just kind of escapism. Like it's something to do with my hands. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I still maybe don't like that game. Like it's not yeah. for me, but I don't think it's bad 
because right it's escapism uh-huh. <laughs> you know I don't, I don't think destiny is lame because people use it as escapism i just mm-hmm. think it's lame it wouldn't work for me as such but go free yeah go God. like if, if that's if that's therapeutic to you like take that mm-hmm. therapy and run with it yeah like that, that that becomes a different conversation at that point like this is yeah. something for you that you are doing for you like I don't, i'm not really involved in that <laughs> yeah. like and i i kind of shouldn't be if it makes you feel good so yep. yeah you know yeah, don't, yeah. don't don't take my opinion into account if it's going to like throw throw water you know on <laughs> throw, throw throw water on your good time like i don't know ghost of tsushima looks kind of boring to me but i've had a yeah. lot of people say like oh man going around this beautiful world has been very satisfying given the circumstances right now it's like shit man i get it i get it yeah i get it <laughs> like even if if it's people are saying you know coming out with like oh it's like like it just as we're like recording this, okay. you know, I usually have a Twitter window open because I'm poisoned. Okay. And it was just like, uh, somebody was like, you know, this is really pretty and has decent combat. When it comes down to it, it's another open world game with missions where you have to trail an enemy without getting too close and not getting uh, too far behind. Yeah. And I'm like, what a, what a combination of words that is absolute poison to me. <laughs> God, do I fucking hate doing those things in video games. Yeah. How did we, how did that make it past GTA three? Mm-hmm. Like, we still are doing the, like, you have to tail somebody and not get too close or too far. God, that fucking sucks. I've never heard, anybody, I've never heard anybody say they like that. So why you know, is it wait, still can happening? Can you imagine it? Like, can you imagine somebody like, man, I fucking love not knowing. <laughs> like, just having to walk in a line, but not knowing how fast or slow I should do it. Yeah, yeah. You know, that, it, it owns. Like, mm-hmm. god damn it, dude. It's yeah. got to stop. You can't keep getting away with this. <laughs> <laughs> What is it uh, <laughs> um but anyway yeah like if, if that's if ch- checking those things off a box for you uh-huh. you know looking at a map and clicking all the all the dealies yeah. is what's doing it for you that's awesome yeah and I, that, like the, 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 there is a version of that where if like if that was rendered just as text it would sound patronizing like oh you can have your toy like that's not that's not how i mean it just like the, no, no, that, i mean you, you that, can have your toy man it's awesome. yeah yeah Take like your toy. go like have fun with that yeah. like i shit yeah toys yeah. rule yeah uh you know it's great shit i've been reading second edition shadow and source books every night mm-hmm. uh and then i made a, a dream house in the sims mm-hmm. uh with uh with multiple skeleton butlers <laughs> uh and all the doors in the house are secret doors they're all mm. bookshelf secret doors Ooh, very cool uh, even to go into the bathroom <laughs> um so it's uh, <laughs> it's it's really great like you know that that allowed me to spend move time forward a little mm-hmm. bit to get past whatever patch I was in. Yeah, that was too painful to bring my full consciousness to. Yes. So. Yeah. Nothing it, wrong with that. Is there a point where it could be pathological, where it becomes addiction? Yeah, that's very rare, and I don't know that that's something that the average person is going to be in danger of. Yeah, th- th- yeah, especially not now. Yeah. Like the, that is not the biggest fire. Like, no, you know, no. you, your job is to survive this year. Yep. And if you survived, you did good. Yes. Like if you're not catching up on TV or books or whatever, fuck it. Like yeah. you need to survive and not get other people sick. And if you've done that, you're, you're a absolute A yep. plus. You, you, you have fulfilled your responsibility citizen. Yeah. Yep. So if you're doing that, good job. Yeah. Um, moving on to responses to, uh, the games. And there are a lot more of these than I thought there were. Yeah, uh, that's great. Uh, most of them are Hitman 2. Let's do it. 
Let's um, do. I'll read this first one uh, okay. because uh, you read the prompt. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on to you know Hitman Two, Alex uh, says, uh, and Alex is the person who picked this. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks for covering Hitman 2. One of my favorite little bits of good design in Hitman 2 is the challenges screen. They often point you towards the outcome of a creative kill in a way that still lets you puzzle out how to make that happen. That little nudge is usually all it takes. The best are the sniper challenges, which ask you to kill targets from a very specific vent from very specific vantage points that their usual routes never seem to intersect with. Figuring out how to create that shot for yourself is a joy. Yeah. Agreed. The challenge I, I, screen I, is amazing. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah, I haven't done too much with these sniper modes mm-hmm. uh, in Hitman or the uh, sniper challenges specifically or the iOS game that is sniper related. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that in just general play and in missions, I really love that challenge screen. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. It's really satisfying Hitman, in Hitman 2 when they put up the big grid of achievements and it like slams through them and highlights the ones that you've gotten. Uh, mm-hmm. That's really cool. That's a satisfying yeah. way to uh, to show to show progress. Mm-hmm. And show how, you know, what you still have to do. Mm-hmm. You know, what's still left. Yeah. Um, Stuart writes via contact. One thing that really worked for me about Hitman 2 was that I rarely felt like my run of a level was doomed by being compromised or hunted. I had such an array of tools and methods that I was able to extricate myself quickly from most bad situations without making them worse. I've been thinking about the uh, thinking about what it is that allows for this. I imagine it's a combination of good AI, ample player verbs, compartmentalized challenges, and clear consequences. Thoughts? Um, yeah, I, I think all those things contribute. And then another one is big maps. Yep. Um, when I would get compromised, I would run mm-hmm. to the other side of the map, and the people were searching. Like, it's good AI. It's it's like realistic. You know, it's not telepathic guards. Yeah. Like I can run to the other side of the map, and people have never heard of me you know, aren't looking for me. Right. You know, which is nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's fun. Even if you don't think it's fun to get caught in Hitman 2, it's manageable in my experience. Like Mm -hmm. I could also always make an escape if I didn't want to roll with the chaos. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I, you know, I think that what you laid out, you know, the AI, the verbs, all that, all of those, all of those contribute. I think it's just a really well-designed game and the systems, you know, support each other. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Evan says via contact, Uh, I came to Hitman 2 because of the YouTube channel writing on games. I used his advice again to pick up this game at the end of June. Of course, it ruled. That same week, I was pleasantly surprised to hear that you'd be covering this game for your July episodes. This was a first for me. Typically, I finish a game and quickly to check to see if there's an older episode that covers it. I started listening to you uh, with Bonfireside Chat when I discovered uh, a love for gaming during my master's degree in 2017. My brother gifted me his old Xbox 360, and he wouldn't give me the rest of his game until I beat Dark Souls. Wow. Uh, after that feat, I started consuming more kinds of games and more of your podcast and eventually started supporting the channel on Patreon. With that said, this is the first time I had a chance to write in for an episode as it was coming out. Uh, but really, I just want to take the time to say thanks for making my experience with video games better. On a side note, I'm getting my doctorate at CCM in music performance. It's pretty rad knowing that Cole went there as well. Yeah. Uh, congratulations on making it into that program. It's super prestigious and a lot of hard work. Um, but, uh, you know, that <laughs> like, and yes, even though I did go to CCM, I was in the part of the, uh, the college that did not require talent. 
Uh, so ah, yes. yeah, I, uh, you know, yeah. like it's it like, so it's a music, it's the music college within the university of Cincinnati that like Cole, Cole majored in helping people move. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, yeah. Like as majored a, in owning a truck. <laughs> yep. No, just, but just like, you know, just uh, all of the singing and performance, like as a, you know, as a, as a music college, it's second only to Juilliard whenever they do those ranking kind of things, extremely hmm. prestigious, but then they have this AV av specialist kind of kind of like appendix kind of like hanging off of it like a skin tag i was in that skin tag um but uh i hope you're enjoying it uh uc is a cool place yeah nice job evan and thanks for the kind words Mm -hmm. um i subscribe to writing on games but i don't think i've ever listened to it or watched it rather i think i i like saw it because it showed up in my like games crit yeah algorithm and i was like someday i'll do that Mm mm-hmm you know, there's a couple other, uh, there's like a games as literature one like that too, who only covers stuff I don't care about, but it looks like a tone that I like. Yeah. So yeah. I, uh, you know, well, hey, at least you know, writing on games has hitman content that, yeah, you yeah. know, I'll have to check that out at some up. point. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. weird. That's a weird power play on your brother's part to give you a system, but not give you all the games until you beat the game he wants you to beat. It's pretty cool. actually. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, into it. Yeah. Um, Mike says via contact, getting into these two Hitman games for the first time recently has underlined how overrated realism is in games. Give me dense, crunchy systems that yield consistent results. Does it make any sense that I can kill an unconscious target by dropping them six feet? Or that a character will drink from the same glass repeatedly without ever finishing it? Uh, Or that when guards know that there is a killer in their midst, the guy with the suspicious barcode on the back of his head (laughs) isn't one of the prime suspects? Of course it's not, but they are rules that the player can learn and reliably game, like moving pieces across a board. And a nice side effect is the absurdist flavor. I've attempted uh, to get into the series before, but I've always been turned off by the tone of the earlier Hitman games, which overplay the humor and tend to reduce everyone to broad caricatures and stereotypes. One of the smartest moves that IO uh, made with this reboot trilogy was the decision to simply let the ludicrousness of these situations be the punchline in and of itself. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Like these are very simmy games that are both realistic and unrealistic. Mm Mm-hmm. Like there, are, there are actual degrees of like great realism mm-hmm. in them in comparison to just in the world of video games, not necessarily yeah, in yeah. the world of the you know, world. actual things, but they're <laughs> yeah the world of the world. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's very judicious and smart mm-hmm. where it decides to deploy that. Yeah, um, and it favors fun. <laughs> like yeah. if there's a conflict between realism and fun, like you know there are probably towns where they don't, but broadly they favor fun they favor predictability they play they favor treating this as a system and a game that you're meant to understand you know reality is messy and chaotic in a way that these can get but usually because of unexpected interactions that you can come to understand absolutely Yeah. yeah yeah um johnny says by contact. Uh, it took a bit of adjusting to get on board with the over-the-top humor of Hitman 2, but one joke in particular won me over. I was on the final mission of the game. I decided to work my way up Providence's ladder in order to complete the contract. I managed to steal, trespass, and strangle my way uh, to enough coins to earn an initiation into the Ark Society per their rules. 47 was led into a dungeon and seated in a makeshift electric chair slash lie detector. One of the twins came down to interrogate him. I answered the questions completely honest the first time 
time. As it turned out, being a complete sociopath was the golden ticket. <laughs> out of curiosity, I decided to replay the section and answer dishonestly. With each wrong answer, the twin who interrogated me stepped closer and closer to 47 while commanding the polygraph operator to increase the voltage. I expected an opportunity for 47 to jump up and uh, CQC her to death <laughs> after the final question. Instead, she was electrocuted with a lethal charge from the machine because she walked into a random puddle from a leaky pipe in front of the chair. Her glowing stiff body fell to the floor. 47 casually stood up, picked up her access card, and walked out of the room. <laughs> I had to pause the game and put down the controller and wait for the deep belly laughs to subside <laughs> before I moved on to the next objective. Well done, IO. After 20 years, they can still surprise me. Thanks for uh, reading us. Thanks for the work. And think, uh, take care. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't get that one, but that sounds like it would be a very funny moment. Similar to uh, when What's-Her-Name in the Miami level uh, electrocutes herself when she spills champagne near a live yeah, wire. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yep, yep. Funny games. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Elliot writes via contact uh, whilst going for walkies with my dog I always load up Duckfeed podcast when I saw Hitman 2 I thought wow I haven't played this in over 20 years I listened to it for 5 minutes and realized that A there were new Hitman games and B <laughs> I need to pause the podcast and get this game immediately luckily for me Steam had the two latest games for $40 Australia. Uh, what came next in my life was a collage of silly outfits, outfits, fogged mirrors, ingenious traps triggered by the janitor and death by asteroidea or starfish. Uh, after uh, going through the game on medium difficulty, I felt uh, it is best played without this, without saves coming and tried to adapt to a foil plan. I was very guilty of this in my first playthrough whilst I tried to learn the mechanics and know my place in these nuanced and, sub and subverted environments. Uh, while it isn't as much of a pleasure to be caught as uh, in this as it is in, say, Metal Gear Solid Five, Gary and Cole are absolutely right when they say that this game plays well as a shooter when things go tits up. Also, Spicy Gary's impersonation of Agent 47 is amazing. I don't think it's unreasonable to ask that all of these responses be read in this voice. I think it is unreasonable. It's hard to say something. It's hard to say something like Agent Forty Seven when it is not something that Agent Forty Seven would say. Well, <laughs> and uh, reading aloud like things I haven't read before. Yes, like is a weird way to detach your brain and uh, juggling another thing while trying to do that. Yes. would embarrass everyone involved. <laughs> it would demean us. Yeah, yeah, it would demean us all. It would make it would make humanity lesser. It would take yeah. us further away from the stars. <laughs> um, <laughs> like. <laughs> it, it would not be good right um but yeah i'm I'm glad that uh you enjoyed it. i'm glad we were able to tell you about the new hitman games yeah hopefully you played the uh, hitman one levels mm -hmm. uh in there as well because they're also really great yeah so god i want to like, go back yeah. and revisit this game it feels like forever ago it it does i like i was surprised i was like oh this is the thing we did first i forgot <laughs> um but like going through and doing like the full series in hitman 2's engine mm -hmm. you know from the first one and the, all the dlcs and stuff would be fun i just need to find a way to make that into content so i can justify yeah. it yeah stream <sighs> it. well yeah you could stream it yeah uh 
Eli says via contact. I love this game. I love this game so much, maybe too much. I love getting through a level, never getting spotted, never taking off 47 suit. I love manipulating both targets to be in the view of my sniping position on a rooftop. I love the insane things that Agent 47 says to his targets. I love fe- the feeling of getting five stars, silent assassin, and even love getting zero stars, non-target kill <laughs> times 38. Uh, I love it when everything goes according to plan. I love this game so goddamn much uh, a fun fact i keep uh a fun fact to keep this response from just being drooling praise the maelstrom your unknown target in mumbai actually has a slightly faster walk cycle than other npcs when he's not on the screen this hmm. includes when he's behind an obstacle or a wall and you view him uh in instinct mode knowing his route this means you can assassinate him without having to actually play the guessing and clue hunting part of the level god i love this game <laughs> neat yeah yeah He's got places to be. He does. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I just, I agree with the praise. Love this series. Can't wait for the new yeah. one. January can't, yeah. can't, can't come soon enough. For many reasons. Yeah, true. Yeah. yeah. Um, James writes via contact. I was really quite pleased when you guys mentioned how low key hilarious the Hitman series tends to be, because not only do I agree, but it reminded me of an incident from my childhood that now especially seems funny. Um, I was born right at the beginning of the 90s, and I had more books and games than friends as a kid. Not a lot of kids my age meant that I ended up fairly introverted, and, and that and that combined overall with the moral, moral panics over video games led to some friction with my parents. Uh, they fell pretty hard for the whole video games are basically create your own serial killer products mentality. Uh, so I think that you can guess uh, what happened when my mother came into my room and saw 12-year-old me playing Hitman 2 Silent Assassin. If you can't, she, for some reason, thought my controlling a suited bald man in the field of a church uh, to be something that needed questioning. Maybe it was the extremely sinister nature of his crouch-walking animation. I honestly read stupidly, uh, told her that the name of the game was Hitman. She immediately flew into anger panic, swiftly taking my computer's power cord and having my father cart the thing off as soon as he got home. This was a shame because... Uh, he, uh, uh, had she given me two minutes, I could have shown her the extent of the quote, realistic violence in this game by emptying my silver baller pistols into a random guard, causing his body to take a pose reminiscent of a starfish and rocket off the goddamn moon with two little red puffs coming out of his body. Uh, as though he carried ketchup packets in his breast pocket. We're talking about as edgy as Tex Avery here. Alas, I got no such opportunity and had to miserably wait for my parents' the child is ruined status to wear off and return my toys. My sister and I have been big fans of playing and watching these games. Uh, nothing has made me happier than to see IO Interactive maintain the pattern of delightfully written doublespeak that 47 delivers to all of his unwitting targets. The finish line here in Hitman 2 contains possibly my favorite example. When 47 is calmly explaining the contents of the vitamin rejuvenation treatment, the target catches on just enough to ask if she should be concerned about, about Belladonna being in, her, being in her IV, to which 47 merely replies, I'm not. I'm very excited <laughs> for bad. Hitman 3 uh, and hopeful uh, that, will, uh, that they will close the story out. Hitman games somehow avoided the dork age of video game writing when everything got all grim darked up. I don't know how long it will be able to hold out. My my understanding is there's that one that is pretty like absolution dark, dark ends age. up kind of yeah, being absolution. like that. Yeah. 
Yeah. But I haven't played it, but that's my understanding. Yeah. Um, to me, the, the Hitman games are these new ones. Yes. Like, I'm probably not going to go back to any of the old ones. Um, and I'm happy to uh, happy to do so because I think these are pretty perfect. Yeah. So. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, and then taking your power cord. Yeah, that's that's rough. That's rough. Sorry, F. Matthew says via contact. I want to start with a caveat. I'm only writing a negative response about the game, but I understand that's coming from a place. Of, but please understand it's coming from a place of love. Columbia has had far more than its fair share of negative depictions in media. At this point, the fictional Colombian drug lords outnumber the real ones one thousand to one, and I certainly couldn't have expected the Hitman games to fix this. But noting the way Columbia is depicted here versus my own experiences in the country gives me an exceptionally icky feeling. I spent most of my time in the Colombian highlands around Bogota, a city that in large parts looks barely distinguishable from, say, downtown Portland. But my understanding is that even in the lowlands where this level takes place in this day and age, you're not likely to see the kind of thatched roof macheteville uh, that is depicted in the game. My feeling is that the games look, the, the devs looked up photos of contemporary Colombia, weren't sad satisfied with what they saw and decided to use photos from the 60s to slumify them 20%. There's a broad division between the game's depiction of trendy, idyllic first world countries and then the pretty ridiculous uh, Joseph Conrad fantasy version of third world countries. It does feel strongly that an imperialist fantasy of a white man mastering a savage land is kind of the unspoken goal of some of these levels. Colombia is admittedly poor. It has severe problems with government corruption, overzealous policing, and income inequality. Who doesn't these days but it is a developed ass country with a beautiful culture hell they put artists on their damn currency the mayor of the capital city and several members of the parliament are card carrying and open proud members of the lgbtq community who enjoy strong popular support the country is pretty damn cool in a lot of ways you'll definitely be saying a lot of positive things about the game and chances are i will agree with almost all of it i love this game and you bet your sweet ass i'm going to play the next one to death but it's worth examining uh, that the globe hopping in these games like in the james bond movies they're aping is coming from a eurocentric tradition and probably carrying forward some old racist habits to be fair this is better than the depiction of columbia in the codename 47 game think of a 1920s disney racism uh, yipes. yeah yipes that's my yipes <laughs> additionally uh the part where you throw a drug dealer to his pet hippo is pretty am- a pretty amazing columbian inside joke that goes a long way towards redeeming the whole level when my wife who's from columbia and felt pretty uncomfortable at the level saw that part she got a good laugh out of it and said at least they did some of their research if you haven't already google hippo plus columbia trust me it's a hell of a tale uh, much much love gentle fuckers and keep the faith thank yeah. you gentle fucker <laughs> I, I, I like that and gentle like. fucker to you <laughs> i had a good day yeah. yeah um so i i did google uh columbia plus hippos they call them cocaine hippos um, okay. But not for uh, any particular reason other than Pablo Escobar, um, kind of during the height of his uh, reign, specifically around the city of Medellin, uh, brought in four hippos, um, you know, just to kind of make his own private zoo there. Uh, after he was taken down, they didn't really, like, handle the hippos properly. And they started filling um, an empty niche in specifically, like, the rivers of Colombia. Um, like large herbivores are actually like really important, uh, to some, uh, ecosystems and things like that. So they thrived because hippos are death machines, um, and they multiplied. And though they are ecologically, like not as devastating as an invasive species should be, 
having a bunch of hippos just rolling around is not really a great thing. So yeah, the no. co- the, co- the cocaine hippos have grown wildly out of control um, uh, in the in the in the rivers down there. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think that like when I think about the the I agree one hundred percent with this response that like it's shitty to do that. Yeah, I yeah. think that not letting anybody off the hook. When I think the the point that the the responder had where they said like it's as bad as the or it's like what the James Bond movies that they're trying to eat. Yeah, yeah. Like I felt like this was the depiction of Columbia through the genre more than anything. Yeah, yeah. Which is not it's good. Not, it's not an excuse. It's not, yeah. You know, but it, it makes it interesting. Like it sucks that Columbia gets the shitty end of the stick. Where you look mm-hmm. at something like um, Sapienza, which was very beautiful and idyllic. Mm-hmm. As yeah. a Spanish uh, villa, like there could definitely be area. It's not like there aren't problems in Spain that are also depicted in media, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a good point. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a bummer. Like I, I like I feel bad because I didn't even think of it, you know, like I just mm-hmm. I just kind of I took the depiction at face value, even though like I know better. <laughs> like, yeah I, yeah, I just I just didn't question it. It might have been, you know, it is kind of like a pop cultural whipping boy kind of thing. Where yeah, like, yeah. You know, I'm kind of surprised they did not do, you know, a Sapienza style fake town. But it just kind of in media, mm-hmm. Colombia just means drug, you know, like it means drug lord. Yeah, it's like, a, it's that, a, that, it's is a, a, that is a bummer. It's shorthand. a shorthand, shorthand in America yeah. when the shorthand ought yeah. to be like, oh, yeah, a place where we fucked around a lot and created all kinds of weird power power vacuums that just fucked over fucked around entire populations okay yeah, yeah. or or that we shouldn't have those kind of short shorthands in general because all oh, of these yeah. places are incredibly complicated mm-hmm. you know but yeah. it's it's interesting like the the response you know speaking to like positive and negative stereotypes because it's like both are bad yeah you know like it, it's 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 but one is way worse yeah like you like, can do like you know this is the idyllic spanish you know villa this is what france is it's fashion shows and cat catwalks you know right yeah um when actually there's crime and horribleness there as well mm-hmm. racism yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like there's all kinds of all kinds of like bad things about western europe you know macaroons oh, god fucking coconut man yeah yeah we started don't know you already did um i know yeah and it's yeah. funny because like i looked at that level and you know if i if i praised it i forget what we said because everything falls out of my mind after we record like i i think the story that they end up showing that the people who live around this compound are being exploited by the corrupt you know by by, by the corrupt gang that is there like i don't know i was into that as a story and i really enjoyed seeing them get their comeuppance for abusing the people around them you know, I have no idea yeah. like what negative stereotypes that that, you know, seemingly progressive ideas propping up. Right. Well, it, it's one of those things where, like, I think the truth is that Columbia does have that, you yeah. know, is, is what what the uh, the the writer is saying. Mm-hmm. But it's just by if you're going to have one level in Columbia and choosing to just totally show its ass. Yeah. You know, is 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 maybe more the problem. Yeah. You know, like it reduces it down to one thing. Yeah, which is yeah, uh, which, which is partly the nature of like a, a globe trot, mm-hmm. you know. But making that choice was the was the thing that is worth some some criticism. Yeah, 
Yep. It's it's something it's like something you see on uh, Twitter occasionally, like people will will throw up like a photograph and say, like, you know, here, this is Mexico and then this is Mexico in a movie and the Mexico in a movie has like all these filters put over it to make it look like impoverished. (laughs) Like it's all orange and, you know, desaturated and stuff. It's like, oh, yeah, like Hollywood has actually put together a a whole set of visual shorthands to kind of take this regular ass looking place and make it look evil and other and lesser than yeah, exoticize it yeah 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 make it terrifying yeah which is you know worth being aware of yeah not best practices yeah uh let's move on to tactics ogre responses let's do uh stewart writes via contact i love the tactics genre uh but i couldn't get around some of the growing pains in this game on the advice of a listener response from a previous episode i've also been playing fell seal arbiter's mark and it contains so many quality of life improvements for the genre that i found it hard to go back i really loved final fantasy tactics advance when it came out but going back to it uh, has become pretty rough as well. Are there issues inherent to genres like this that make them harder to revisit than others? Um, when I ever my tactics advance replays and yeah. tactics advance two replays always stall out because I can't. I don't care about the world or characters. Right, the storybook you know, gets in the way quite a bit. This, yeah. yeah, the storybook sucks, and just like it's too lighthearted. You know, like, I, I don't care about this, like, fun little Moogle and, like, yeah. my fun little troop of idiots. Like, it's too it's too plucky, plucky kid. Yeah, I want the historical Shit. drama, you know. Yeah, you know, so that is the thing for me. And that will bring me to through a lot of stuff. Somebody uh, mentioned um, somewhere, I don't know, uh, <laughs> media channels are all the same, yeah. um, like, saying you're wanting us to play uh, Gene Dark. Uh, which is a PSP tactics game Yes, uh, yeah. that I played and I liked quite a bit. And that mm-hmm. was a thing where the history and the story kind of dragged me through, you know, decent, but mm-hmm. not particularly robust mechanics or builds. Yeah. You know, and ultimately that's what happened also with Tactics Ogre, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, I don't think the mechanics of this game are, are great shakes generally. Mm-hmm. I just really like the story. Yeah. Um, you know, so that that is the thing that for me, it's not so much the quality of life improvements. It's the story will drag me through on this stuff. You know, yeah. that has that basic skeleton of tactics gameplay. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. tactics advance plays better than this, but I beat this and I haven't replayed tactics advance, even though I've tried like several times. Yes. So, yeah, you know, I think like looking at this, you know, things that might be inherent to it. Um, a lot of the times, if you're trying to get into a new one as well, like, oh yeah, I've never played tactics. So I'm going to go back. It's just, there's a lot of it. There's a lot of onboard, uh, a lot of onboarding and a lot of like very repetitive grindy kind of things. Um, and that, yeah. that kind of ends up being the case with like a lot of these, like, I don't know, it'd be really difficult to go to go to Disgaea you know, oh, understanding yeah. what, like, like what is required from you. Like there's just a lot of investment, both of time and attention and, you know, learning new systems, you know, that like that I feel if I try and like, look at one of those, whereas going back to final fantasy tactics, like I did in the wake of playing, you know, tactics ogre, at least a little bit, um, that is effortless because I are, I already understand it. And I know these systems that I know how to try new things and experiment. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what James says uh, via contact. 
I was first alerted to the original version of this game back in the mid-2000s when I was discovering emulation for the first time, specifically specifically for the SNES. I played around with it a little bit, but never really beat it. Fast forward to last year when I heard the Retronauts episode on it, and I had no idea the way that it was connected to Final Fantasy Tactics, a game that I have played so thoroughly that I feel like I never need to play it again. That's it wasn't weird. until late 20... <laughs> yeah, play it again. It's good. Uh, it wasn't until late 2019 that I got an old PSP from my cousin and was able to play it. Unfortunately, I ended up disappointed. Its narrative is interesting enough, and the gameplay is still so close to tactics that I had a good time, but the classes seem too generic, with the only differences being the equipment that they have access to and a few late-game unique abilities. Couple that with the fact that the class advancement system seems to incentivize that you keep the same class lineup for the whole game, despite getting new ones throughout. And don't get me started on that final dungeon. Miss me with that. <laughs> really excited to see what you guys think. Keep up the good work. Um, uh, we think what you think. Yeah, we're pretty much in the same lane there. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, you know. that's basically where we're at. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I have no. anything to add. <laughs> like, no, no, like those are the bad things about it. Yeah, and the good things about it. Mm-hmm. So I haven't listened to that Retronauts because I knew I would play the game eventually. Yes, I should go back and listen to that. I know Bob is a really bit like Bob likes this m- much more than Final Fantasy Tactics. Yes, yeah, and I, I wonder uh, if. You know, I'm not trying to say that he did not, but I wonder if he revisited it mm-hmm. before they did that. Yeah. You know, I, I'd be curious to see if that's a fresh opinion or if that has any nostalgia on it. Yeah. So. Um, finally here about Tactics Ogre anyway. Kyle says via contact, Tactics Ogre is a game that I have a lot of history with. My first experience with the game was playing through the terrible Atlas PlayStation port of the SNES original with my dad. Despite the very long load times, we are both such big fans of the original Ogre Battle and Final Fantasy Tactics that we stuck with it and got to the end. I think the social network charts showing character and faction relationships in the game were my first experience with that concept, and that level of world building has fascinated me for the rest of my life. Given my experience with the original, I was exceptionally pumped to play Let Us Clean Together on the PSP. I pre-ordered the game and still have my GameStop exclusive Major Arcana tarot tarot cards um, that, Mm. uh, that came with it. Uh, After I finished my MA, I had a year where I was unemployed in a small town in Canada, and I used used an obscure hack to hook my PSP up to my laptop by USB, which then connected to my TV by VGA out. The laptop could send a controller input back back over the USB connection to the PSP um, so that I could basically play Let Us Clean Together as if it were a console game. This probably seems unremarkable these days with the availability of PSP emulation, but it's honestly the only way that I was able to get so far in this grindiest of games. I spent literal months in my room grinding up equipment and faction relationships so I could uh, get all the end game content uh, and the best ending. Sadly, I spent so much time in the endgame content that I completely lost the plot and forgot uh, what was going on in the main story. Even being unemployed, I got lost in the mammoth amounts of side quests and could not find the motivation to finish the game. Later, I got a PS TV for my dad, and he ran into exactly the same problem. Despite being legendary, <laughs> legendarily tolerant of grinding and an Ogre Battle super fan, he's probably done at least 100 playthroughs. Let Us Clean Together is beautiful, and in many ways a vast improvement on the SNES original, but its maximalism ultimately ruins the final product. Where the ending of Final Fantasy Tactics and Final Fantasy XII are somewhat half-baked, the ending of Let Us Clean Together is overdone. 
the core story that Matsumo was trying to tell uh, about political strife and sibling relationships is compelling, but it's completely drowned out by the desire to provide near infinite, near infinite amounts of gameplay. Sadly, I never have finished Let Us Clean Together, and I don't know if I ever will. Sorry for writing so much, but this one means a lot to me. Uh, whatever my critiques of the game, I am thankful that it brought me and my dad together so many times. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I love hearing yeah, about okay. games helping family bond. It's great. Yeah, and and Kyle's great. Like Kyle, mm -hmm. uh, known online as uh, WeGraph, is a game designer, mm -hmm. uh, RP tabletop RPG enthusiast, and uh, luminary. Yes, uh, luminary, <laughs> uh, and always always happy to hear from them. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to round us out here with Mario Golf. Mm -hmm. uh, Thomas says via contact. Uh, as my city went to stay-at-home orders, I found myself out of a job for the first time in years. To keep money coming in, I took a delivery job and spent a lot of time catching up with the shows. As I was driving home, I caught the end of the dispatch where you announced the games for July. I actually fist-pumped in my car when <laughs> Mario Golf Advance was announced. Yeah. Uh, this is the only response we have for Mario Golf. So, Thomas, thank, thank you. you. Thank uh, you. For, <laughs> uh, I don't know why I had picked it up, but uh, bought it new and sunk many hours into it. It's still the only GBA card I have and the only reason I've kept my DS Lite. I break it out every few years and still smile when I hear, nice on. <laughs> uh, I was such a sucker. I even had the GameCube Mario Golf that lets you link and import your characters from the GBA. Although, although that game was not nearly as charming and I bounced off. Anyway, this is probably too long already, but I'm just happy to hear you guys talk about it and hope it will encourage others to pick up this forgotten relic. Thanks for everything. Thank you for writing in. I'm happy that we could make your day so hard that you fist pump in a car. Yeah, that's phenomenal. <laughs> you know, really, really good. Uh, and also, you know, I agreed. Yeah. Good, good, fun game. Uh, I also want more people to play it. Yeah, it's good. I've been, I, you know, golf. That that was the right game at the right time mm -hmm. for off, baby. It is a nice, soothing balm. Um, yep. And I've been playing a shitload of the, you know, some of the iOS golf games that we talked about, too. So uh, mm -hmm. the bug is not gone. Yep, golf bugs mm. that ruin the course. Yeah, uh, bring it back into public land. Uh, thanks everybody for writing in. Um, if you have things to say about August games, the deadline is August fifteenth, mm -hmm. uh, and those games, as a reminder, is a two-parter on Disco Elysium, mm -hmm. uh, my game of the year last year. Now, <laughs> retroactively, yes, retroactively, and uh, also just a uh, you know real good ship. Mm -hmm. um, and then our premium episode for that month is Devil May Cry. The original one, I'm playing the uh, remaster on Switch, okay. uh, or the remake, rather, mm -hmm. but uh, that is the game we're doing. Yep, I'm doing the one on PS4. It was like in a part of a okay. bundle of the first three games, so. Gotcha. It yeah. could be the same version, because mm -hmm. I, I think they remade all of them, but I'm not sure, because I, I played Devil May Cry once mm -hmm. when I was young, and don't remember a lot of it. Right. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, Disco Elysium is, is a two-parter. The first episode is going to be a lot of generalities. Um, I think it probably makes sense for that to be relatively spoiler light because what I want those to be is an encouragement for people to play that goddamn game. So, yeah. Yeah. So like systems and generalities, um, there'll still be some spoilers. Like I think yeah. that Disco Elysium is really good going into it pretty open. Yeah. Um, I had misconceptions about it based on people talking about it that I wish I had not had. Yes. Um, but it might be like generalities and like day one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, or something like that. Like we'll figure out what makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's a lot of side stuff. It's, it's yeah. a pretty big text heavy game. Yes. So, yeah. Um, um, yeah. And then we were announcing September. 
September. God, I can't believe yep. it's already here. I cannot believe it as well. Yeah. Uh, this is a big one. Uh, I, you know, or it has a big premium episode. The other ones are weirdo episodes, but I like doing weirdo episodes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we're starting off the first game in September is a Patreon pick. Uh, we're doing Lords of Magic, uh, the special edition of that. Yeah. That game. Um, this is a game that I was unaware of, or if I was aware of it, I had seen it like on a shelf and kind of uh, looked over it. But this is a fantasy um, strategy slash role playing game from the late 90s, published um, and developed, or published by Sierra. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's a special edition. So like there's the main game that is kind of like one campaign that's meant to be played over and over from multiple perspectives. The special edition has, um, uh, the expansion associated with it where there are like smaller little, like kind of more guided campaigns that you end up doing. Yes. Those legends of Iraq. Yes. That show up. Uh, this is, this is, I've never played this, but I'm, I'm like really happy when this kind of shit lands on our desk. Mm-hmm. Like th- this might end up being, you know, two PC ass to, to go through. Cause <laughs> uh-huh. you know, like playing PC games I have no experience with. Like sometimes that can be a, a, a tough putt. Yeah. But I love it when this, like, remember when we did Knox? Yeah. Yeah, I love it when that shit happens, man. Because, like, that's not a great game. I don't remember tons about Knox, but, like, <laughs> Knox, dude, Knox. Yeah. Like, I, like it when that weird shit happens. <laughs> and this this is really renowned. Like, this game has a really good reputation. Yeah. So I am sure there's something cool there. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, uh, I'm And then curious. you clip that out and throw it back at me when. <laughs> when when like it doesn't it. land. Yeah. yeah. No, I just, uh, I'm, I'm real kind of intrigued by the mixture of turn-based and uh, real-time. Like the way those battles mm-hmm. work out. I saw it compared to like the Total War series, which has my ears perking up. So, yeah, that's neat. Yeah. And and continuing strategy here. Mm-hmm. Like we have more strategy to come as well. Like this is, that's kind of 2020 for, for off. Yeah. Um, so after that, we're going to be doing something that's a, uh, that's a little bit lighter. Um, so the second mm-hmm. game in September is going to be plants versus zombies. Yeah. Uh, this is a rare, like almost everything we have for the rest of the year are Patreon picks mm-hmm. or patron picks. This is, I think, one of two that yeah, aren't yeah. Uh, for the whole rest of the year. And this one was very specifically because we have a spicy game mm-hmm. for the uh, the premium episode. But also, uh, this is a good and like was a huge game mm-hmm. that I feel like no one has ever looked at the way that we look at games. Yeah. And I don't want to say, like, no one. Like, it's possible it's happened. But as far as I know, like, this isn't the kind of thing people think about yeah. when they think about video games. Like, there was a whole world of weird game elitism and people freaking out about PopCap mm-hmm. uh, ruining video games because of casual, uh, <laughs> you know, people being in the game, you know, casual people being what in the games. fucking weird time. The late 20s. What a quaint. The late 2000s. Conflict. Yeah. You know, now it's just like, does your game feature ass eating? If not, fuck it. It's not inclusive. <laughs> Got to eat more ass. Like, th- this was a quaint time where we could be like, hey, this game is bright and colorful uh, and tells you how to play it. Therefore... Mm-hmm. Right. It's, it's not good, <laughs> you know, but, but I actually love Plants vs. Zombies, uh, you know, love these games. Phenomenal game. Um, yeah. Really looking forward to talking about it. We've also never done a tower defense mm-hmm. game. This is a weird kind of tower defense, but that's a genre I actually like quite yeah. a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, be fun. And then the premium episode for September, this is a patron pick. Uh, this is a big one. Uh, God of War 2018. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, a game I have played. Uh, and really enjoyed. I don't think it's perfect. Mm-hmm. But I did like it a lot. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to revisiting. Yes. So looking forward to revisiting we, we, and temporarily forgetting that uh, the developer, kind of the, the lead designer, uh, kind of showed a bit of his ass during the Naughty yeah. Dog stuff. 
yeah, he's he's a Naughty Dog adjacent ally of Naughty Dog, but he's still a shithead. Yeah. Um, but it's still fine because again, yeah. a billion people made this game. Yes. Um, it's a. Uh, yeah, it's cool. Like I, I, I like this game. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, you know, we originally talked at some point about maybe doing this on Bonfireside Chat, mm-hmm. um, but it's going here instead, baby. Yep. Um, yeah. No. Oh. Like when this came out, and I saw the, uh, I saw the response it was getting. I was like, we're probably going to do that for a show. So I kind of let it be. So this will be my first time, uh, first time firing it up. Yeah, there, there, there are one hundred percent things that you're going to love. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's some really really good stuff, especially for your love of precocious boys. <laughs> yep. Is there another way I should have phrased that? Is that is, <laughs> no, is, no, is that's that fine. Right? That's fine. No, okay. that's good. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Cole loves precocious boys, and uh, this this game features a good boy. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. I said they're just um, I, I like good boys. You know. Yeah. No, it's okay. Like good you don't want like a bad boy. Your 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 Kuro, you know, from uh, from Sekiro, yeah. it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Why the boys, boys, just, just boys who are wise beyond their years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this has, this has a boy, uh, slowly growing up to be a man. Yeah. Um, the, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Where have you been hiding uh, that boy? Where you been hiding that boy? That's one of the best boys I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, the, uh, so thanks everybody for listening. And that'll be September 15th mm-hmm. is the deadline for responses about that. If you want to hear that God of War episode or that Devil May Cry episode, uh, those are premium episodes. They are for patrons. Mm-hmm. If you go to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv, you can join us and check it out. Yep. Um, and you get a bunch of other stuff in addition to that. You get Bonfire Side Chat. Uh, you get a whole show in Unfilmable. Uh, it's going to be mm-hmm. drawing to a close here pretty soon. We're going to have new stuff replacing it, but there's a lot of content that you get at the, uh, at the, at that level. Yeah. Yep. You can go to five mm-hmm. to find out all the stuff you get Yeah, and 10 buck ducks. If you want to see all that stuff, which is even more. Yeah. So much. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we really appreciate the people who have done so. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also leave us ratings or reviews on Apple podcast or anywhere you find podcast. Um, you can tell your friends about us. Yeah. Um, and it's so. greatly appreciated. That is a great way to support us. Word of mouth. Yep. Yep. We appreciate you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Until next time, take care. Take care. Take care of yourself and each other. <laughs>